Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today, I am joined by Cam Berry and T.P. Hammock. We are on the air for a full three hours today. That has not always been the case this week, and it will not always be the case next week, but we are on the air for the full three hours here on this Friday afternoon, and as always, we will have a lot to talk about here as there continues to be more news in the football world, more head coaching news and that sort of thing. We got to some of it yesterday. We'll get to a little bit more today. There was coaching news for Auburn today as Trevon Reed, our very good friend on Sports Call, uh, was able to get an opportunity with Gus Malzahn at UCF taking a defensive back coaching role with the Knights. And so he will be headed to Orlando. We're very excited for him. We'll have another word or two on him a little bit later in the show, but uh, Trevon Reed leaving Auburn staff there and and headed to UCF for an on-the-field role. And, of course, there will be uh, Auburn basketball to preview. Auburn basketball at uh, Mississippi State this weekend, an opportunity for the Tigers to go ahead and get on another win streak and shake off the disappointment of Wednesday night's game in Coleman Coliseum. Also, we will look forward to the AFC and NFC championship games as we're down to just three more football games in the National Football League with two of them coming this weekend. We'll see who will be on their way to Super Bowl 58. So we'll preview both of those games. And again, as I said a little bit earlier, get a little bit of head coaching talk in today too. So a lot to do on this Friday edition of the show. Of course, if you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334 337- 887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Again, Ryan, TP, and Cam with you here on this Friday. We'll start with you, Cam Barry. Of course, your franchise was one of those making news in the last 24 Woo! hours uh, with a new head coaching hire. Uh, I hope uh, I hope you're well today. I'm doing great. Yeah, the Falcons made a, uh, a head coaching hire, bringing back Raheem Morris, who was in the building for five years, was interim head coach. Um, when uh, Dan Quinn got fired after an 0-5 start. And uh, he's learned a lot, come back, and, and he won a Super Bowl with the Rams as the defensive coordinator. So I'm really excited to what he brings to the table, a really versatile guy like I was telling you, Ryan. He's been on both sides of the ball, was the passing game coordinator for the Falcons the year that they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, Matt Ryan's best statistical season uh, and and was a wide receivers coach. So he's he's been – um he he's very versatile very unique um you know like like we said ryan there's not many coaches that have been on both sides of the ball and and raheem is one of them and uh he's a players coach the all the players seem to be really excited to have him in the building and be the leader um 
Everybody in the Rams organization couldn't say enough good things about him. Uh, apparently, the president went to bat. I mean, the, the Rams organization just as a whole went to bat for Raheem, said, hey, this guy needs to be a head coach again, needs another opportunity, was really young when he got his first shot. So I'm really excited. And he's still only 47. So now you you, you could potentially, I, I really hope that this hire works out. Uh, I, I think he's a leader of men. Um, and somebody that could bring a lot to the table, uh, and and he's the first black head coach in Atlanta Falcons history, which is huge. Just that that's that's big. Just like personally, honestly, just seeing uh, my team hire somebody first to their franchise, the uh, first uh, first in their franchise history to be able to do that, representing Falcons, have a black GM and a black head coach is really really cool uh, uh, for the city of Atlanta and in general, and just to have that. So I'm really excited with Raheem. Um, definitely gonna support him um it wasn't the splash hire that most people wanted but i think it's going to end up being a good and smart hire so i'm really excited and uh i'm doing great it's a friday and uh ready to talk a whole bunch of things also congrats to our guy trevon getting the getting the job at ucf so that's that, good for him absolutely tp hammock with us on the show today tp how are you this afternoon i'm doing really well uh you know as an auburn fan you know you hate to see you know Trevon Lee, but you gotta you gotta understand, and you you feel happy for him. You know he's taking a uh, a bigger job. You know on the field and gets to go be for the Power Five. You know gets to live down in Orlando and get to go. You know be under Gus Malzahn, and uh, we wish the best for him. And uh, of course, there was a lot of big coaching news over the last couple of days since I was last on the show. My Buckeyes got Caleb Downs. I was very exciting. I was calling a Smith Station game with Brant Daughtry, who you can hear tonight on ninety three point nine. Great plug. Uh, and <laughs> but uh, nice. and then and then uh, Michigan's Jim Harbaugh left, and uh, um, now they're looking for their next head coach. I think a lot of us truly believe that they're going to promote within who was the uh, the, the head coach Sharon Moore and. Um, and Atlanta hiring Raheem uh, Raheem Morris uh, yesterday or two days ago, excuse me. Uh, that was uh, or was it, was it yesterday? It was yesterday. Okay, it feels weird. I, I was board hopping yesterday, so it threw me off. But uh, you know, it, it caught me off by surprise. But it wasn't like in a bad way. It was like, oh, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I agree. It was like, <laughs> oh, you know, it was just like. Hey. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, congratulations to Morris. He's the second black head coach for uh, the Atlanta Falcons behind uh, Emmett Thomas of 2007. So I think Atlanta is going to be really happy, and I think they're going to do really well. I'm just really interested to see who he hires as the offensive coordinator because if you watch the Atlanta Falcons, you know their offense was uh, just very strange last year under uh, Coach Smith. So. Um, as Raheem Morris as a defensive mind, I'm sure that offensive coordinator position will have uh, freedom of his side of the ball and uh, can do whatever he pleases with a lot of talent on that side of the ball. So uh, it's just been a really good week, though, so far um, uh, so far in the sports world. And uh, I can't wait to get to talk to some of our callers and get ready to preview some uh, good basketball this weekend. Absolutely. So let's get to it. And again, uh, as uh, we all said again, congratulations to Trevon Reed, uh, somebody that obviously uh, we we hold a, a special relationship to on this show because he was a co-host of this show uh, for a, a good period of time back with uh, with JJ and and some of us around. And so uh, really appreciated our time with Trevon on this show. Got to know him personally very well. 
Again, have nothing but great things to say about that man. He is a every bit as wonderful as you think he is just from his social media and the videos that are put out and that sort of thing. He is absolutely that wonderful at all times. And so uh, we're very excited about his, uh, his opportunity at UCF. Again, he was the director of football and player relations was the official title at Auburn. And, of course, he is now getting on the field with UCF. It's not something that – uh, I know a little bit in talking to him here in recent months that is something that he was hoping to be able to accomplish as the next step in his career, uh, and this certainly is another step in his career to be able to get on the field and, and be defensive backs coach. And again, UCF, uh, I know some people are warming up to it, but again, this is a power four job, not even a power five, a power four job because of the realization that Pac-12 is no more. So again, this is a, a, a solid program to be able to work with, and obviously to be able to go with someone he is comfortable with, someone that helped recruit him out of high school in Gus Malzahn uh, is going to be very meaningful, I know, uh, from his point of view. So uh, we are very excited for Trevon. Obviously, yes, that is someone that uh, another kind of spiritual leader of Auburn football, I would say, and someone that always was able to keep the morale high and, and certainly helped with recruiting and that sort of thing. But, uh, again, just for us, I think I can speak for all of us. Again, we were just personally very proud of him and very happy for him and and no matter what it meant for Auburn uh, we're excited for him to make his next step in his career and we wish him very well uh, and we know he'll be successful in that next step at UCF yeah absolutely I mean that's just a you know it's really hard to get uh, from that transition role you know it wasn't sure I thought he might you know make that role at Auburn but then they brought back uh, Wesley McGriff and some um, other factors so I was very curious to see what uh, was in store for Trevon Reed, and uh, I think that's a really good move for him, though. I mean, like you said, that's a really rising program. I mean, that is a surging uh, just school as a whole. You know, down there in Orlando, I know they got a large, uh, large student population. They got a good stadium, and now they're in um, now they're in the Big Twelve, which is huge for you know uh, Gus Malzahn and crew. And uh, Trevon's going to get the opportunity to you know. Uh, do some good work with the cornerbacks because if you remember last year their defense wasn't very good and so they totally revamped that staff down at UCF they hired Ted Roof um, and now they're bringing in Trevon Reed I know they brought in some other new guys on that defensive staff so should be a really fun watch this year Uh, if you're a fan of college football look out for UCF I know I know we always have our eyes on it because Gus is coaching there but and with the new conferences and uh, new playoff format, I think it's going to be really interesting. And uh, I'd like to put a, a correction before I throw it over to Cam. Uh, I said that uh, Morris was the second ever uh, black coach. He was the first. He is, he the, is first the first full time. He's the yes. first full time. Interim doesn't count. Yeah, I was going to get you. I was going to get I you. I know. I, it, <laughs> Sports Illustrated uh, led me astray there. Uh, Emmett Thomas was the first ever black interim coach, and Morris was the second ever, mm-hmm. but he's the first full time. Yep. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm happy Cam didn't get after me on that one. <laughs> nevertheless, congratulations to Javon Reed, and uh, looking forward to seeing what he does at UCF. Yeah, super excited for my dog, man. He's going to he's gonna do great things for sure. Uh, a fantastic step in the right direction. Um, excited to just talk to him about it whenever I get the chance. I'm sure his phone's probably blowing up right now with people uh, hitting him up and congratulating him and, and all types of things. But yeah, so uh, really excited for him. Uh, like I say, he's going to do great things down there in uh, Florida. So he gets to be down in, in the in the warmth of Orlando. So at least he gets to you know be in the sun all the time. 
Um, and uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him miss him being around here for sure and uh, um, being able to you know meet up with him, hang out with him every once in a while, just catch up with him. So uh, yeah, it, it's gonna be great. Really happy for him. Really excited for him uh, and to see where he goes from here. Yeah, absolutely. So it's only up. Uh, yeah, very excited for Trevon, and again, he's got a very bright future. We're, we're sure that he'll do a very good job there at UCF. Uh, all right, before we go to our first break, we we'll want to talk a little bit more uh, or a little bit about Auburn basketball. We will be previewing. Uh, this is kind of the time of the year where we start want to preview just about everything going on in the SEC, especially with Auburn in a conference title chase. But obviously the mission for Auburn now uh, turns their atti- attention to Starkville, as Auburn takes on 13-6 and six Mississippi State uh, this weekend. Mississippi State, a team that I kind of put on watch a little bit uh, in the beginning of SEC play as one of those teams, and talk about them, I've talked about them a couple times already, one of those teams that has a really good non-conference record, but what will they actually do in conference play? And while they are 13-6 and six overall, they're just 2-4 and four in the SEC uh, with those two wins coming against Vanderbilt at home and coming against Tennessee at home. Two uh, very different teams, both in the state of Tennessee, uh, but the losses this year at South Carolina, hosting Alabama at Kentucky, and at Florida. So probably that Florida game, probably their most regretful, although, again, it was on the road. Uh, so, guys, again, this is a um, afternoon game tomorrow. It's about 23 hours from now uh, for Auburn to try to get back on the right track, taking uh, taking on uh, excuse me a Mississippi State team that they are better than, but again another road game, which again in college basketball, as we saw even last night with Oregon State against Arizona, uh, road games any, just are, are different. Any given night, right? Uh, especially like you said in college basketball, excuse me, that home home environment takes is just it just does wonders uh for for teams uh it, it helps them to play well above their um their you know actuality and, and things like that i mean mississippi state tennessee went to mississippi state and lost so it's very very real possibility that that uh auburn could lose this game you want to get right back on track because yes you did lose a close game in a not very good shooting a performance um uh at alabama uh a very a tough loss but you were you were in it to the end you got down 14 at half and then you came back fought all the way back i think auburn just needs to stay and continue to play their game they need to play inside out that's how they that's how they are the most successful your bigs are your best guys janai broom had a fantastic game against alabama they couldn't do anything with him uh tolu smith obviously will be a a, a much tougher matchup uh but still you you want to be able to work it in and and then let your guards kind of produce and work from out that uh, work from the outside because it's gonna uh, suck the defense in, and then you can kind of shoot your threes and get a little bit more comfortable. Auburn shot uh, 20, 20, 20 something threes, um, just a little bit above twenty threes, and and uh, I think just just did not shoot well. I think only made about four, so uh, a really really tough shooting performance overall. Uh, and so you want to get back to just kind of shooting maybe 15 to 16 threes, 17, 18, you know, but not want to get above 20. You want to be efficient when you're shooting your threes if you're Auburn uh, because you, you that's how you kind of have been able to beat teams is you've been able to go inside, you've been able to dominate, and then you've been able to shoot on top of that um, by forcing it, by, by having the defense uh, kind of suck in a little bit. So we'll see. 
Uh, you want to get have Janai continue that game. You want to get Jalen Williams to kind of get back to his form. He had a rough game against Alabama, so uh, it, it'll be a, a tough matchup. You obviously have to watch, like I said, for Tolu Smith. He's going to be the guy that you got to pay attention to the most. Uh, extremely, extremely talented big man. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, Mississippi State has a tough defense as well, so you want to be able to pay attention to that. You want to get to your spots. You want to um, – you want to run an efficient offense. I think, like I said, against Alabama, they weren't able to do that. And so we'll uh, we'll see if they're able to get back to where they were. Yeah, I think, um, I think if you're an Auburn fan, your most important person to watch for is who's going to guard Tolu Smith. And Tolu Smith is their most important player. He is the X factor of this team. For reference, um, according to Ken Palm, uh, they've ran 10 different lineups, and only only two of them have not featured Tolu Smith. So he's literally always out there for reference. So uh, Tolu's just been really good this whole entire year. But Mississippi State is a little bit of a different team than you're used to seeing. They are very defensive-heavy first. Um, they allow the fourth-best three-point percentage, allowing about 27% from three, which is pretty pretty impressive. Uh, they are they rank around 19th, so they're top 20 in defensive efficiency. Uh, that That's important to their head coach, Chris Jans. Uh, Chris Jans has been that, – that's that was his motto back at New Mexico State. They were able to do some good stuff with him whenever he was there and he's brought over that really defensive culture over to Mississippi State so they want to make this into a rock fight they really do they want this to be a 60 to 50 uh, game and uh, if you fall into that trap you're probably going to lose to them because they're just really strong defensively but Mississippi State is not as strong offensively they have their blunders I mean if you look at their if you look at some of their losses they lost to Georgia Tech they lost to Southern they lost to um, you know they they've lost to some good teams but they've also lost to some some to some bad teams um, put a lack of words so um, I think this is a very winnable game but if you fall into the trap of what they want to play like if they if you fall into that defensive battle where you can't make your shots like what it looked like in the first half at Coleman Coliseum you're in for a long night at Mississippi State uh, tomorrow. Well, it's going to be in the afternoon, but you get my long point. Day, yeah. It's going to be a long day if you get put into a rock fight. Yeah, uh, again, this team, as you guys talked about, again, they are not going to be one of the leaders in, in the league in, in scoring. All, really, some of the best teams in the league all seem to score a lot. Auburn, Alabama, Kentucky, ten, even Tennessee more this year. Uh, they all are kind of towards the top of the conference of scoring. Mississippi State – is a team that definitely puts it in the mud a little bit more. Now, one thing I remember Steve asked us, uh, maybe in reference to the Alabama game, about what happens if Janiah Broom is in foul trouble and the in the depth and that sort of thing, what would happen from that point forward. I can tell you with Mississippi State, uh, they are one of the more classic teams in terms of they cannot afford foul trouble, and especially not to Tolu Smith, because as you said, uh, again, they play him a lot. He is clearly their best player. 18.5 points, 8 rebounds a game, uh, 62%, 61% from the field. Uh, not really a huge defensive stalwart for them. For them. He's not really a big uh, shot block guy. But, again, they only have two guys that are scoring double figures. So they'll play some guys. It's not about the number for them, but it's about the quality dropping off pretty quickly. And then, again, in, te- in terms of big guys, after you go from Tolu Smith – I mean, look, they play Cameron Matthews. He's a pretty good player. He's more of a 3-4 combo, so he's not really the true center. 
uh, at being just 6'7". Uh, they do play Jimmy Bell Jr. a decent amount. He's their other true big guy at 6'10". And he's a 7-7 seven and seven guy. So, again, that would be an interesting matchup with Dylan Cardwell. But, again, Tolu Smith is their best player, and it's not particularly close. So, uh, and especially down low. So, they rely on him a lot. If Auburn can take him out on the offensive end of the floor or get him in foul trouble, that is really going to impact Mississippi State's offense. Now, they can still play good defense. They can still keep the score down. Uh, they do have one one guard uh, in Hubbard that that is a good player that's averaging about 14 a game. He's a freshman, so they'll hope he's around in a while in Josh Hubbard. But uh, they they again, it's a pretty steep decline in their first couple guys to, to everyone else. So if they could get Tolu Smith in foul trouble, they will they will greatly impact Mississippi State's ability to score down low, uh, just like that. And there's other things to get to in this game as well, but we go we need to go ahead and take our first timeout of the show. We'll have uh, your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line coming up in just a minute as well. Stay tuned. Sports call returns after this timeout. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday as we preview everything going on in the world of sports. This weekend, there will be a lot of SEC basketball note, including Auburn and Mississippi State, as well as a little bit later, we'll get to the AFC and NFC Championship game breakdown as we find out who goes to Super Bowl 58 this weekend. For now, we want to take your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show this afternoon, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? I was okay, guys, until I went to the website. I should stay away from this stuff. Uh, and saw Mr. Von Reed is gone. Yeah, but we're we're very joyful for him. We're uh, we're very excited. I'm, I'm, for him. I'm happy for him. Selfishly, I hate it because uh, I know he's an Auburn guy, and I loved him when he was going on the show at times, you know, talking with us. So he's going to be missed. Absolutely, he will be missed. But uh, guys, I, I do. Uh, and if it's you know something that uh, will compromise your ethics, and please, I, I don't mean to do that. So don't answer it if you can't. But was this a voluntary? Uh, choice by him, or was he? Oh yeah, being, him being forced out. Oh no, he's not forced out. No, uh, the, uh, I, I definitely know that that he freeze and company wanted him to stay, but that, that's not about. The, this is about a career advancement, which of which this is clear. It is because he is getting to be on the field and, and coaching DBs. That that is a that is a pretty sizable step up to to get an on the field role. Okay, because I didn't know if he had any, any connection at all with the hire from LSU. 
No, no. It, uh, the, again, the, the definitely uh, Hugh Freeze and company wanted him to stay. But, again, when you're – no matter the, the pay increase or whatever, it, it just just at face value it is a, a much bigger deal to be uh, on the field and, and, co- and getting the coach a position group. Okay, well, good for him. And if you guys happen to talk to him before he leaves, please tell him that uh, Wardam Steve said Wardam to him. We will. All right, guys, about the game tomorrow. Uh, it's, to me, a really, really critical uh, need for a win. But do you guys uh, disagree with me? Uh, critical, I would probably disagree a little bit. I think it is uh, it is pretty important. Uh, obviously, you don't want to stack up any sort of losing streak, and uh, and obviously Auburn will have more tough road games, tough games to follow. But uh, look again, I, I don't want to downplay it. So, but but also critical to me sounds like okay, you're in huge trouble if you lose it, and I wouldn't I wouldn't classify it as that. I do think that this is a game that Auburn does uh, really really want to get though because Mississippi State still in my opinion is a bot I don't know where they fall on it but they are a bottom half SEC team they might be as high as eighth or ninth but they could be as low as 11th or 12th when all is is said and done so uh, Auburn is better than this team and this team is not as good as Alabama however Mississippi State has already beaten Tennessee and in my estimation Tennessee is probably uh, the team to beat in the SEC with Auburn and Kentucky just nipping at the heels. I think I, if if I had my vote right now, Tennessee would be one, and Auburn and Kentucky would be two A and two B. So if Mississippi State can beat them, they can beat Auburn. So Auburn needs to play well. You know, thanks for reminding. I forgot about that. Was that at State or was it Tennessee? Yeah, it was at it was at State. Uh, and do you call how? Uh, how bad the, the win was or the loss? I mean, it was a close it one. Was it was a close game. 77-72. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was like um, within five. Yeah, uh, State got out to a really good first half where Tennessee did not play well at all. Tennessee only scored 22 in the first half. Uh, but then their best player, Dalton Connect, got going uh, in the second half and Zakai Ziegler, and they made it a close game, but State held on. Well, I haven't seen the stats, unfortunately. Uh, so I don't know where do they – Rank compared to us when it comes to uh, offensive defensive rebounds. Yeah, so again, they they use Tolu Smith a lot, who is a, a really good big guy. Although his rebounding numbers are not insane, they're at eight a game. But overall, they're a pretty good rebounding team. Uh, I think uh, I've got it here. They're fifty fourth in the country in rebounding uh, at thirty nine rebounds a game, uh, and offensive rebounding they are sixty fifth in the country. So those are pretty good marks. They're obviously not in- incredibly elite, but that is good. Uh, in comparison, Auburn is 56th in the country in rebounding and 81st in offensive rebounding. So Auburn and Mississippi State statistically are almost dead even in rebounding. Wow. I didn't know Mississippi State was uh, that competitive. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, again, they're a more physical team. This is not a this is not a fancy shoot thirty threes, make twenty three. I mean, this is not this is not an offensive juggernaut. This is clearly more of a physical. We need to play defense and rebound to win. So uh, I think what I heard from you earlier, they, they're not a three point shooting team, right? Yeah, they they they're not. They are they have a lower percentage than Auburn does. Uh, not that Auburn's is a good percentage, but Mississippi State's thirty one point three percent. From three, which is two eighty fifth in the country. Okay, so they're going to be going to the basket. Uh, I, I haven't watched it very much, so I'm just going to ask you: uh, Are they a real aggressive team when they go to the basket? Uh, again, I think by nature, when you're trying to 
uh, insert some of your will there. I think that they uh, try to do that. However, I'll tell you, though, that the numbers still say they do settle for three still a fair amount. Again, I told you they were 285th in percentage, but they are 111th in attempts. So they, they take about a top third amount of threes in the country. So they, they don't necessarily stay committed to the two, but again, I would urge you to, to tell, tell you that again. Tolu Smith is not a three-point guy. He will not be shooting threes, and he does score 18 points a game. So he gets all that in the two-point uh, two point side of things. So again, the, 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 I think they Mississippi State is better off when they take twos. Do you know what our record is? Because I haven't looked it up. Well, against Mississippi State at their place. Uh, I do not. I'd imagine it might be a little bit better than some opponents for Auburn because obviously State's not had a great run of things. But again, I would I would expect it'd be a losing record ultimately. Okay. All right. Um, moving on about the NFL guys. Yes. Uh, I saw this staff release report. I said, "Wow, uh, this is not just a you know a uh, a quirk, but this is a pretty significant stat." Okay, so here it is, guys. And you know, uh, I said my son and daughter-in-law they love KC, so I'm pulling for KC. And I know, uh, well, I suspect everybody's probably going to be on the other side taking uh, Baltimore, and Baltimore's darn good. But then I saw this piece of information from Bleacher Reports that says this. In games in which Sean Smith is one of the head referees in the NFL, in games in which Sean Smith is head referee over the last three years, the away team, hold on this, the away team has won 59.2% of the time when he has been the head referee uh, in the last three years. The away team has won 59. That's right. not just a, a chance. I mean, that's above chance. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I think the – I don't know the exact set, but I thought at one time – I know what to make of that. Yeah, I, I thought at one time the home team was around 60% in the NFL, which is a little lower than college, but still obviously above 50. Uh, I, I think of it as somebody that definitely does not conform to giving uh, a home whistle or giving the benefit of home calls, which, again, I think that too is a little bit less prevalent in the NFL, but – uh, maybe he overcompensates. I, I don't know that. That uh, I'd love to go see. I, I this would be very thorough, which I'm probably not willing to do, <laughs> for, for at least for this. Uh, I'd love to see what games it actually was, because maybe he just got uh, a weird run there for a couple of years where he was doing a bunch of games where the road team had had a better record coming into it than the home team anyway. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean that that is definitely an anomaly there. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, okay, he did it for one year. This is for three years. Yeah, I know. I, again, that's and, why. I, and that stat, is, 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 to me, is beyond just chance. It's incredible that one referee would have that kind of an effect or impact on an away team, not the home team. Yeah, and again, that's why you'd want to dig as, as carefully as you could through the numbers. And, and, uh, and again, that he's clearly not influenced by the home crowd. So what do you guys take on uh, – uh, the two, uh, uh, you know, NFL games. Um, who, who do you think is likely to end up uh, going to Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, we're we're going to preview this in great detail yeah. a little bit later. Uh, I think that certainly the way Baltimore has played, they have been the better team this year. Now, uh, Kansas City seems to be figuring out. Maybe that's just because Buffalo can never figure it out in the postseason. 
Uh, but I, I, it's hard to get pick against Mahomes, and, and and it could be as simple as that sometimes. And then the NFC side of things, I mean, again, it's a fascinating matchup of a team that's literally never in this position versus a team that's been here, I believe, for the last five years now. So uh, you're you're looking at experience versus inexperience just with this type of game in the NFC, and you're looking at uh, kind of the uh, a moment of coronation for Lamar Jackson in terms of this is his, going to be his second. Uh, regular season MVP, but this is the first time that he's uh, been healthy enough. He's been playing well in the postseason as well. So this is his opportunity to have it all come together and again complete uh, this this ability for him to to have the best season you can have, which is regular season MVP, and then go and win the Super Bowl. So uh, two fascinating games. Again, we'll we'll definitely be breaking them down a little bit later. And I see that apparently there's a good number of injuries. On uh, Kansas City's side, uh, you know, especially uh, is it Pacheco? Is that his name? Isaiah Pacheco, uh, the Pacheco, running back. Yeah, I expe- he had some injuries. I expect him to play. Uh, I know he's old running backs. Running backs do get banged up, but I, I do expect him to play, and he runs hard, and he'll still be a threat. I know Joe Tooney, one of their uh, guards, uh, is is going to be out. Uh, so that's one of their starting offensive linemen. Of course, uh, when they don't play as well. Usually, offensive line can be uh, part of that reason, but uh, yeah, they're a little banged up. But uh, I think the feeling is they still got their top couple defensive guys. They got Mahomes. They got Kelsey. Uh, the, the, the injuries are not be the reason they lose on Sunday if they lose. Okay, because I you know how impactful those players um, were going to be for Kansas City or not. Yeah, again, Tooney's a quality guard, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, guard, good news for them, though, is, is more uh, vital in the run game, I would say, in the interior offensive line. And, I, you know, with, with Baltimore, look, the defense is nasty. They've been gr- getting great play from Clowney on the edge. They've gotten great play really everywhere. Uh, and, I, and I would say that I think ultimately uh, they Kansas City was not going to win this game by running the ball down Baltimore's throats. I still think it's going to have to be – uh, a, a better defensive showing against Lamar, and then again Mahomes' magic. But uh, again, yeah, they have some injuries, but it, they are not—they're not at all going to be uh, a, a huge factor. Okay, and then look at the stats with the uh, uh, San Francisco Detroit. And you know, I'd love for Detroit to uh, be Cinderella team, but I don't see it, guys. I mean, uh, compared to uh, San Francisco, uh, I don't think they match up really good. I, I totally agree with you. I think the Cinderella story is coming to an end. We've seen this happen uh, a couple of times in the you know in the conference championship games where you have these teams that oh you didn't expect them to make it here and then they make it there and they play a team that's vastly superior and the story ends. We saw it with the Titans a couple of years ago. Saw it with Case Keenum and the Vikings. Um, you the only real uh, one that kind of surprised me was with the Bengals, but they had Joe Burrow. But, uh, you know, that, that Lions secondary is atrocious. It's bottom five, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, they can. The Lions defense does get sacks, and I'm interested to see how Purdy does against, like, Aiden Hutchinson. But at the end of the day, I just think that that secondary is just too big of a liability for them not to just score, to just – outscore Detroit. I do think Detroit's going to put up some points, but at the end of the day, I'm going with the 49ers there. Okay. Um, see of impact, uh, gentlemen, going back to Trevon Reed, how much of a, uh, I guess, of a, uh, an impact uh, will it be for, for recruiting, uh, for losing 
uh, Provence because he was a heck of a recruiter. Yeah, he was. Uh, again, those guys, though, on the field, as far as coordinators and position coaches, still have more influence overall. Uh, that that That's just the deal there because guys want to play for a certain position coach sometimes or a certain coordinator and that sort of thing. So Trevon is very big uh, in terms of, again, the morale there and player relations and that sort of thing. But, again, that role still being off the field, there's only so much you can do. I mean, again, you're not able to necessarily visit all these people. So some of the recruiting that happens for him is all got to be recruiting that happens here on a visit, not out at some some kid's home visit or that sort of thing. So, uh, again, I, I as, as, as much as we love Trevon, I think, let me put it this way, he will be able to have a bigger impact positively or negatively at UCF than he had in his role at Auburn. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, I thought he was really impactful when it came to, you know, players from LSU, I mean, from Louisiana. Uh, I don't know if that's going to hurt us any. I mean, again, Auburn, it's not like Auburn brought in 20 guys from Louisiana. They brought in a few for sure, but – uh, again, he, he there's only so much that role would allow him to do. I mean, I think he did a really good job in that role. That's why everyone loves and adores him. And again, the the charisma he has is second to none. Uh, the human being he is is second to none. But uh, again, there, that's the whole reason he's leaving because his impact was only to a certain point. That's what the job allowed for it. Okay, fair enough. All right, I'll get over it. So thank you guys for uh, taking my calls as always. And uh, it is Friday. So I hope you guys have an enjoyable and relaxing uh, weekend. Uh, that's, what, two days uh, for you guys uh, not to have to get calls from me. So uh, you should have a relaxing time. I hope all of you get your taste buds back. Yeah, we, oh, we're good. We're, I'm so good. We got the taste buds back. I ate something spicy at lunch today. We're good. We're back. Oh, no. You did it. You, you went <laughs> ahead and did it, huh? Yeah, it's, it's just, just tongue torch sauce from Zaxby's. It's not, it's not exactly a... Uh, a, a Scoville unit heathen. Okay. All right, well, guys, y'all have a safe uh, weekend, and hopefully uh, we'll pull out a win, and we'll talk about it on Monday. All right, so, guys, good talk with you again. As always, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call, as always. That is retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's head to one more timeout here in the opening hour of the show. Back with much more right after this. For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here. 
on this Friday edition of the program. Got a few minutes left here in our number one. Still ahead. Want to get to more on the uh, National Football League as we get set for uh, two huge playoff games. Really excited about talk. Or really excited to talk about those. We'll get to those in a little bit. Uh, also want to talk a little bit more about Auburn basketball as they get set for a date with Mississippi State. But let's go ahead in these last seven or eight minutes of the hour, let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about what we know from the NFL head coaching hires before we preview everything else ahead this weekend. Uh, again, Atlanta making Raheem Morris their head football coach yesterday. We talked a little bit about Jim Harbaugh going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and we also talked a little bit about Dave Canales going to the Carolina Panthers. There remains two openings, Washington and Seattle. Uh, but, of course, Cam wanted you to talk a little bit more about that Raheem Morris hiring. Uh, yeah. And then also just kind of some of the remaining names on the board. Obviously, Bill Belichick, huge name. That looks like he will not be having a job. Mike Vrabel still on the board. Ben Johnson still on the board. Still some very fascinating candidates, even with six vacancies filled. Yeah, so I, I am a big fan of the Raheem Morris hiring for the Falcons. Again, like I said, he's got a deep network of of um, got people that he knows just all around the NFL. He's got a, a lot of experience, a lot of um, – you know, has been around many places. You know, with the Bucks, with the Falcons, with the Commanders, then Redskins. I think it was at the time, and then uh, with the Rams, he won a Super Bowl. So he's been he's been all over the place, and he's learned a lot. He's been on both sides of the ball, and I think that's going to be major for the for the Falcons moving forward. Really, what it's kind of being displayed is that he's just going to be a leader of men. He's going to be like a. Um, Kind of like Mike Smith was for the Falcons, hopefully a better version of that, but he was a CEO type of uh, head coach where he's not going to be calling plays. Um, he's going to be, uh, it'll be kind of like uh, uh, another equivalent. I'll say Dan Campbell, where Dan Campbell is the leader of men. He's not calling the plays. The defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, calls the plays on, on the defensive side of the ball. Offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, he calls the plays on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so he's just the, the motivator, the leader of men, the decision maker for ultimate things, obviously, when you're making uh, uh, big time in game decisions, things like that. So, uh, I think that's kind of what he's leaning towards being. Obviously, when you're doing that, you have to make sure that your coordinators are good uh, if you're um, if you're Raheem Morris. So seeing how that plays out um, will be exciting. I've heard some good names. I don't know about the defensive side yet. Uh, but again, he's not married to any type of scheme on defense. There's nothing really that, you know, it truly defines him. But uh, players love him. He's going to be a great leader. Uh, I- I'm excited for what he's going to bring to the table with the Falcons. Yeah. Um, what you got, TB? No, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you got it. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I had remembered Raheem's stint with the 2020 Falcons because, you know, uh, Dan Quinn started off 0-5, and that that was just abominable. The I just remember they, they stunk. They, it was bad. Stunk. You had Todd Gurley toting yeah, the rock. Yeah, you had – it was just – it was a tough watch. They just found new ways to blow lead. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, oh, I remember. <laughs> I, I remember it too. I mean, I remember Nick Foles came in and he looked like prime, prime oh, Tom Brady I out remember, there. But, I remember. But, you know, Raheem Morris came in there and he went 4-7 and seven and they right. looked a lot more competent. Four and, wins. They and were competitive. I know they, they were very competitive. And that was a terrible roster. Again, t- yes. And so – and now I'm not saying I was surprised he didn't get the job. I, I was surprised that he wasn't – more looked into, I should say, yeah. for that Kansas City job. And I think Arthur Blank went back to, 
you know, how competitive they were and what he's done since then. And I think he was like, you know what? I, I you know, we could have gone that route. We didn't. And you know what? It didn't go well with Arthur Smith. So let's bring him in and let's see how it goes. I think he's going to do really well there. I think he's going to be, you know, that's what you want in your. I, I'm not sure if he's going to call defense or not. I, I do not think he will. I don't think he is. I wonder if uh, the Falcons are going to keep their defense coordinator. His name is completely lapsed my brain i know you know him oh nielsen Nielsen. no he's gone he's gonna he's he got uh signed with the the jacksonville jaguars unfortunately that's right would have loved to have kept him though would have absolutely loved to have kept him but he got poached by the jacksonville jaguars i i was big sad yeah that that's right because i know that you were saying that you really wanted to keep him i wasn't sure if he had gotten poached i know the dolphins uh defensive coordinator position just opened up and all but uh nevertheless i think morris is going to do really well you know he just um he'll probably hire someone from the rams or somewhere along those lines and uh i think the falcons are going to be much improved next year i i know they still were seven and ten but i think they're going to look a lot more buttoned up this year yeah yeah and so atlanta makes a hire which again i i really am happy for him morris get another job opportunity uh I, when we were doing some of the the matches the other week, uh, I thought Tennessee might be a fit because I thought Atlanta might go offensive guy. OC. I also thought uh, – I really thought they were going to go Belichick. I thought they should go an offensive guy. Uh, but what was interesting was, again, they hi- – they not hired. They interviewed 14 people. It was an incredibly right. thorough search. And I think that as time went on, that got more and more concerning if you were wanting Belichick to be hired there because – if you know your guy, you do have to meet some standards from the NFL. However, you don't need to hire for, or excuse me, interview fourteen people. <laughs> right. And and again, they were bringing in some guys twice, and even some new guys as, as late as the other day when they brought in Mike Vrabel for an interview. So uh, they were very thorough, and they ultimately go with a guy that again had coached for them. I think we all felt should get another head coaching opportunity at some point. And again, one of the rarer cases in the league where you've got a guy that's worked both sides of the ball for multiple years well into their career. So, uh, but definitely a very interesting hire for Atlanta. And I think it's a pretty solid one. So, with the guys remaining against Seattle and, and Washington still on the board, only got about three or four minutes left in this hour. Uh, Pretty good thought that Ben Johnson will yeah. end up with Washington. Yeah. Seattle's still very unsure. Uh, guys, your thoughts on those two remaining openings and who you would pursue? Yeah, it definitely seems like uh, Ben Johnson to to the commanders is going to be a done deal. Um, there, They cleaned house and, and kind of did a full reset, I mean, from literal top to bottom. Uh, and I think that'll be good for the franchise. I think Ben Johnson will – will do pretty decently well there if they can, you know, if they draft a quarterback, which could be ultimately Drake May. So we'll see how that works out, and they'll have their guy and uh, move forward and figure that out. So I think that's going to be a done deal. Seattle is interesting, though, because there's been really no word. There's been no talk about really Maybe they surprised themselves by firing Pete Carroll. They had a dream at night. They're like, you know, we really just need to kind of move on from this. And then I, they I woke don't... up the next day and they realized they'd press the button in their sleep and then <laughs> oh, they no. couldn't go back. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I do think Vrabel is a good fit there. Um, I, I felt, 
you know, the defense was something that kind of needed to be improved. I thought the offense was pretty defense. I, I, I'll say that they were pretty middle of the pack in, on both sides of the ball. Um, but Vrabel is a, a, a leader of men, uh, a really, really good head coach. And I think I think it was a, a mistake, surely, for the Titans to let him go. You know, I think they wanted to get a offensive guy to kind of develop Will Levis. So we'll see how that plays out and, and with Callahan and all that. But, um It'll be interesting to see. I really, and then there's Dan Quinn, you know, returning back to where he really got his name out there with the Legion of Boom with the Seahawks uh, and the 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 builder and, and manufacturer of that uh, fantastic and historic defense. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. I would say those two are my favorite for the Seattle job. Still, would be Dan Quinn and uh, and Mike Vrabel. Um, but again, you you just haven't really heard anything, um, and you know people are still saying quote unquote you know Pete Carroll's still on the market, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere else. I think he's just going to move up within the Seahawks and just kind of maintain a role there, whatever, whatever. And then with Bill Belichick, I I think. You know, I hate to say it, but I kind of feel like the game's kind of passed him by a little bit. I know that he's a fantastic defensive guy. I, I know that, and I and I will always maintain that he was a really, really good defensive coach. But the offense for years was so abysmal. And the things that he requires, I feel like, when it comes to taking over an organization, what he had with the Patriots was so unique that I don't know if he'll be able to get that literally anywhere else. I, I really don't. I, I don't know if he'll ever get, be able to get that much power. Because even with the Falcons, Arthur Blank, I think, really wanted Belichick the head coach. But I don't think that that I don't think they wanted everything else that Bill Belichick would have been giving asking. Would have you know, GM power, decision making, all of those things. Um and I just don't think Arthur Blank was willing to give that up. So that's where, you know, that's how they ended up, I think, coming to the decision of going with Raheem. So I think he's going to be kind of left out in the cold. I, I agree with you. I think that that was the the harder they looked into it, the, the more just not uh, lost worth. in the details you get. and It would have been yeah. a major shakeup. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, Atlanta hires their guy, Raheem Morris. Again, you can hear all Atlanta Falcons games throughout the season right here. On Tiger 95.9, we are out of time for this first hour of the program. Stay tuned. Coming up in hour number two, we'll go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line to start the second hour. We'll also have more on Auburn basketball's trip to Mississippi State, more on the SEC slate this weekend, and, of course, those conference championship games coming up in the NFL. Stay tuned. Hour number two of Sports Call is straight ahead. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here as we start the 4 o'clock hour of the show. Again, full show today, which has been different from two of the last three days, although we do want to direct you over to FM Talk 93.9 a little bit later this evening. Brant Dontry, Braden Gentry will be on the call as Smith Station Basketball takes on Central Phoenix City. I believe the start time for that is just after 5 o'clock for the girls game and boys game probably be around 7 o'clock. So I want you to tune in to more great area high school basketball. Uh, Borgard Basketball was on our airwaves last night getting some wins over Tallahassee. And uh, we'll have more Borgard Basketball next week on this station, which will affect a couple show times. We'll let you know once we get to next week. But again, if you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one tiger 9 Let's continue on. Let's talk a little, uh, a little more college basketball and a little bit more Auburn basketball as the Tigers get set for a game uh, inside a Humphrey Coliseum there uh, at Mississippi State. The hump. The, the, the hump. The Tigers, uh, of course... Uh, coming off of their first SEC loss of the year. And, of course, it coming to Alabama, I think, makes people a little bit more stressed and disappointed and that sort of thing, and that's certainly understandable. However, again, did not change the dynamic for Auburn basketball at all. Still fourth in the Ken Palm rankings, still viewed as either a two or three seed by all the bracket sites. And if you're monitoring the the rankings behind them, are also this week, 9, 10, and 11 have all lost. So we'll see uh, if Duke beats Clemson tomorrow. They're the number 12 team in the country. If Duke beats Clemson, if Duke would jump Auburn or that sort of thing. But Auburn seems, with a win against Mississippi State, would be pretty safely still in the top 10. And, in fact, they may not even move a muscle. Again, we'll see what else happens over the weekend. But Auburn's still in just about the same place they start the weekend. Again, that's the nature of college basketball. We told you earlier this week there's only two. there were only two teams that were undefeated in conference play, Auburn and North Carolina, in terms of uh, Power Six conferences. Of course, the Power Five that you know and love in, in the football world, plus the Big East. I was even scrolling through it, guys. There's only about six teams in all those Power Six that only have one conference loss. It's just that three of them reside in the SEC right now between Auburn, Tennessee, in Alabama, and again, there's there's some conferences that don't have. I think the Big Twelve was the conference I looked at that already had everyone uh, with two losses or more. Uh, so that is the nature of it. No, it was not the Big Twelve. It was uh, Texas Tech, the one team. But it, see, even Kansas right. has two losses, two losses. there. Yep. Uh, and then you look; it's the it's the Pac twelve. Arizona has three conference losses now. Oregon is the top team there with two conference losses. So again, Auburn's still in a very good place. Uh, even compared to all of its national cohorts. I think the question for them will be, again, later in the season when they get those opportunities against Kentucky and Tennessee, that will be the last <clears throat> box to check because they have right. thumped a lot of teams below them uh, in both in the SEC standings and just the national perception back in non-conference play. But uh, it's, of course, racking up road victories, which is tough to do, and, and trying to find a way to beat Kentucky and Tennessee. But – Still, again, I don't think it changed any sort of lengthy dynamic by losing Alabama. It just maybe puts a little bit more emphasis on the next road game, which, of course, is tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit more emphasis. You want to you make sure you can keep pace with the top, right? And like you said, it's 
it's it's a it's an interesting year in college basketball. If I'm being hundred percent honest, there's no true clear favorite. There's probably like ten teams that could truly win the national championship. So again, it's about as wide open as we've seen it in uh, I'd say probably what two three four years. Um, where where teams are are uh, everybody's got a couple losses here and there. Everybody's got uh, some things they need to work out, some wrinkles. No team is truly perfect. I mean, um, so it'll be interesting. So, but when you're within the SEC, when you're Auburn, you got to be able to continue to compete because um, again, these teams are. I mean, everybody's coming to get you, and uh, it's certainly going to be some uh, going to Mississippi State. And every night is a challenge, so you have to be able to. Um, push through the adversity, uh, work out your problems, and and come out uh, with come out with your hair on fire, and uh, see if you can get a win on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing here now. DraftKings has Auburn as a two and a half point favorite on the road. Yeah, so I could buy that. I'm about to say that that's about what I would put it at. Um, you know, I think it's just important for Auburn to not uh, not get out to a slow start. Like you know, that happened last. That um, happened against Alabama. I was. It's pretty frustrating, uh, to be honest with you, because there was a lot of times where it just felt like just you know you just needed to feed Janai the uh, Janai Broom the ball, and they sometimes they just got away from that, and he was just dominating. I know Cam was talking about that in the last hour, but he would just like there were so many opportunities where I felt like Janai yeah, could just make. I could have had thirty. I'm about to say he could have just. <laughs> it feels like he could have had whatever, however much he won, but it felt like Auburn was just like, oh, we got to hit a three. We, you know, we got to make this three. We got to get, you know, because it was just such a such a rough three point shooting right. night. And um, you know, I think they got into their own head there. And you cannot, you cannot have a slow start against Mississippi State, or else they will just grind you yes. out. And it is just, it's just not a fun place. It's not a fun team to face. They are not. They, they're a lot like like uh virginia virginia you know if they score 60 points they're pretty happy because they probably held you to about under 50 or so because that's just how tony bennett coaches basketball so i feel like it's just gonna be a real grind them out game and um hoping the tigers can come out with a victory they just need to uh make sure they don't fall into that trap of uh, playing Mississippi State style of game. So let's look at it from some of Auburn's perspective of players we'd like to see uh, step up on Saturday. Again, this has not had to have been a topic too much just because of how balanced the roster has been and how Auburn has kind of mixed some different things well. I, I told you yesterday, uh, again, I, I, I think unfortunately this team is just not a good three-point team. I just don't think – it's, it's going to happen for him in a big way. That does not mean you can't have a big shooting night, but again, the, the, the shooting suggests, especially the road shooting, that this is just not uh, – it, it's, it's fractionally better than last year's team because last year's team was so bad from three, but again, it's still in the 200s nationally in three-point shooting. Uh, so I think that what I want to see from the group collectively is, again, only take good quality threes, fight for opportunities – inside the paint if you throw it into the paint as cam talked about in the first segment if you throw it in the paint and then that creates you a three fine but it's not you know dribble pass to two different shooters pass to another shooter never work it down low and then take your three uh because again it was five of 25 at alabama uh, on wednesday so that's the collective group from individuals look again 
these only become bigger deals when you struggle or when you play well. And then you start to do the nitpick game and you start to say, okay, who do you need a little bit more out of and that sort of thing. I'm going to leave Jalen Williams alone. I know he didn't play well against Alabama. I trust him. He's going to be back. He's going to help Auburn win. Uh, I agree. Nine times out of yeah, ten. I so agree. not worried about that one. I think that you've got to start with Aiden Hallway. Uh, Aiden Hallway is down, as I said on the show yesterday, he's down to 34% from the field. Uh, and that's just not not good enough. Mm-hmm. It's it, it it it's not good for any position. I know guards shoot lower percentages than bigs usually, but uh, it's not it's not good enough for a guard. So uh, Aiden's got to find a way to get himself going from inside the three point line because that's essentially his three point percentage too. Thirty three percent or so from three is fine. It, sometimes it's about shot quality. Sometimes about volume. 33% is not going to make you just absolutely lose yourself. You, you'll be fine with it. It's about shot quality. We know he's capable more, but I'm right, just saying, right. like, no, I, but I think he just needs to get stronger. Uh-huh. But, but go ahead. Keep but, going. But going. it's about, for me, that he's also shooting 33, 34% from two, which means he's either not finding the right mid range pull up or he's not finishing as well as he wanted to around the rim. Yeah, I I just it's I think it's got to do with the physicality thing, right? I, I really do. I I don't want to say that he's scared to go into the paint. I just think he's a little bit more nervous to drive in. Um, I, I I mean I liked a couple of the plays that he made against Alabama. He had a really really good uh, showtime assist for uh, to Janai Broom. So he has the ability to be able to draw the defense. I think he just needs to be more aggressive about it and, and not settle for that three point shot like you're saying, Ryan. I think he just needs to be more aggressive. In, in trying to find that uh, that comfortable drive that he can get to um, get to his spots and, and I don't know maybe develop a little bit of a floater see how that plays out I think that would do I think developing a floater would do wonders for him yes. I bet he has it in his game but you know again it's just getting comfortable and using it you can't you can't sit at the three point line especially as as a point guard. Uh, all the time, you got to be able to penetrate, dribble, penetrate, use, uh, use your screens. You, you got to be more of a three-level threat than just the three-point line, uh, because eventually, as teams are starting to see, they're going to run you off, and they're good. They're not going to get you. They're going. They're not going to let you get those shots off. That you're, you're going to have to really, really work uh, to get those threes off. So you got to be able to make them know that hey, I'm a threat too to be able to drive. Uh, and then you'll you'll really find some success, as you can see. I mean, Trey Donaldson, a three level threat scorer, uh, and and he can he can do it in all ways of the game. And again, he's he's strong. Trey is strong. He's he's uh, he's physical. He can handle the the game, the physicality a little bit better. Background. He does. He has that football background, and and it's really showing. Uh, I because I mean you know Bruce said it at the end uh, at the end of the, in the post game as well, but I felt like Trey should have got a little bit more minutes in that in the back end of that game because I felt like this was a more of a game that he was suited to. Uh, just physicality wise, Alabama was able to be a little bit more physical, and um, I thought Trey handled that physicality very well, and he was able to kind of read the game a little bit more. And that just comes down to the experience of of being a freshman to a sophomore, just things like that, and and uh, the playing time. So it. It's going to be interesting uh, to see if Aiden is going to be able to step up because, again, he's one of the more talented players on this roster, and Auburn needs him to be able to um, make, a, make a deep run and, and be successful down the stretch of the season. Yeah, so, again, look, I, I know that it's easier to criticize after losses, and I get it, but, um, again, the 33 34%, you know, that's the kind of decisions that makes it to where we do say after the game, 
or where Bruce Pearl says after the game, yeah, maybe I should play Trey down the stretch there another another segment or two. And I and I agreed with that because I felt Trey was better than Aiden. And I'm, it's not again, it's not a referendum on who has the higher ceiling. Everyone still agrees it's Aiden, but you know, from game to game, that can change who's playing the best that moment. And that's also part of being a freshman. Trey Donaldson is better this year than he was last year. Like, if Trey was already this last year, he would have eaten more into Wendell Green Jr.'s minutes last year. But the truth was he was not ready to. And so I do also want to remind people that this is a part of the process that five-star guys, even in basketball, yeah, five or ten of them will go on. They'll be awesome from day one. They'll they'll go pro. They'll be lottery picks. It's awesome. There's another five or ten. They'll be a little underwhelming. They'll go pro anyway. They won't have a good enough pro career because they should have waited another year. And then everybody else will end up being college more than one year, and they'll get steadily better, and they'll end up being great players. And so – with Aiden, again, yeah, I think it, it's been a little disappointing so far just from the efficiency standpoint, but everyone sees the ceiling, and the ceiling is quite high, and it might end up being better for Auburn that he is at least, again, like they want him to be as good as possible, but it might end up being better for Auburn that they're probably going to get more than one year out of him yeah. because of the way he's playing. I know it's a weak draft class. We'll get into that uh, when the season ends, but – uh, you know, Aiden right now does not look like somebody's ready for the NBA, and that's going to be really good news for Auburn long term. Obviously, you want him to be able to play as well for you now as he can, but uh, obviously, Auburn lost the guy in Sharif Cooper. What I thought was probably oh, a year early yes. for him. Oh, I, uh, I still don't, wish don't remind don't, me, dude. So should have stayed one more year. Yeah, I mean, just need need the jump shot to be worked on a little bit, and he didn't, but it's okay. Uh, it happens, and look, even with the hot Pettiford coming in next year, like great. I I tell you what, you can you need to fiddle a little bit at some point with playing them both at the same time, and yeah. I'm I'm going to I'm going to kind of be on that train a little bit more and a little bit more as the season goes, uh, because again, Katie's not going to be here forever. I don't think. I'll have to double check if Denver Jones has another year of eligibility after this year. I think he might. He may. The COVID year, we're about to get rid of that dang thing. Yeah. And I say it I, like it's it's smart. They needed to do it. Yeah, it was I'm necessary. I'm not saying it's a bad. But move, it's about to be gone. But it's just agitating for figuring out who has eligibility, who's right. not. Right. Uh, but again, you're. It, I know I'm going way on conversation. I'm being scatterbrained. Bear with me. I'm cool with it, man. When you go on to next year. You would, in theory, have Holloway, Donaldson, and Pettiford. Three-point guards. And I'm going to break the news. You can't play all three of them at the same time, and you can't just play them all three, like 12 minutes a game or 13 minutes a game. So you need to tinker with this a little bit. If Denver Jones is going to play poorly, which that's the other individual I was going to sing a lot, I really want to see something. He was a little better against Alabama. Uh, But, again, uh, still ultimately three of eight and one of five. Like again, it's still you want him to have that blow up game. Not that he's going to do that every game. That's not who this team is. That's not how he's going to be. But I just need, I just need to see like twelve. Yeah, 12, I, exactly. 15. I don't think he scored double figures in SEC play, and he's averaging about seven or eight a game for the season. So he did it a few times in the non con. But I want to see one game where he's in 14, 15 point range and hits like three threes. Just just to see it, so that again you reaffirm. I know that it's in it. and it's yeah, in there. That it's there. Uh, so that's probably the other individual. But, yeah, there's going to be – I, I want to see them tinker with it because Aiden still is a really good passer. Uh, and and Trey Donaldson runs offense beautifully. And he's a really good shot maker that he just does not – He, 
I'll tell you this. He does not take many bad shots. The worst shot I've seen him take all year long was that 30-foot three against Bama on Wednesday night, and he banked it in anyway. And, right. And I was just like, yeah. okay, well, then never well, mind. Just go well, ahead. Yeah, I right. I was, yeah. Like, I was like, oh, Trey, okay. <laughs> it was so uncharacteristic. It was like 10 seconds of <laughs> shot clock. He's just like, I'm going to pull it. Uh, I thought Aiden was out there, and and then I see the fluffy hair, and it, it banks in, and I'm like, okay, that was nice. Uh, don't don't do it. Probably again. don't do that again. <laughs> Please don't never do that again. <laughs> That's the oh no no no. Yes, yes, yes uh, very much. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, but so again, Trey shot selection normally great, runs offense well. Aiden again, the ceilings there. I just wonder if there's a combo of them on the floor together at some point that would make some sense against a certain team. Now I will tell you this. Backtrack a little bit. It's probably not against Mississippi State because Joe no. Smith is uh, uh, is their best player, and he's a big. You're gonna need a big, big out there. They do have some bigger wings. They're a more physical team. I'm thinking maybe Kentucky or someone like that. That might be a team where when they have a lot of guards out there, you, or maybe yeah. even Tennessee when they've got Vescovy and Zakai Ziegler out there at the yeah. same time. That might be the time where you you investigate two point guards for a rotation or two, but. Uh, again, I, I want to see more uh, out of Aiden, and, and he'll grow and he'll get better, and maybe that'll come later this year. Maybe it'll have to wait till next year. I don't know, but uh, that's somebody that could stand to play a more efficient brand of basketball and somebody that I would be looking forward against Mississippi State. The good news is even when they're not shooting well, again, Holloway and Donaldson combined six assists to just one turnover against Alabama. So although Auburn did have some turnover problems early in that game, it was from some other guys. And ultimately, Auburn, I believe, only had two second-half turnovers, so they did start to take better care of it in the second half of that one. We're going to head to our next timeout of the show when we come back. We'll mix things up a little bit. We'll go to the National Football League, and we will talk a little bit about at least one of these conference championship games coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger Easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, Cam Berry, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Friday, about halfway home on this Friday afternoon. Glad that you are listening, however you may be listening, to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Just talk some Auburn basketball. We'll try to get back to some SEC basketball at large, give you a rundown of where the league stands. About a third of the way into conference play already, by the way. So we'll try and do that in the 5 o'clock hour. But for now, let's start talking some conference championship games. You guys want to start NFC or AFC? What you more? Let's do. Passion? Uh, let's go with AFC since yeah, it's the first game. AFC. All right. AFC's AFC. up two o'clock on Sunday. Chiefs and the Ravens in Baltimore. First road playoff game for Patrick Mahomes went quite well last weekend as Buffalo lost in another heartbreaking fashion. What's new for them in the postseason? Know, right? And what's new for Kansas City as they continue to Just win back in the AFC title game? In a so, down year. You, you're taking the Ravens with the soon-to-be second-time MVP Lamar Jackson, or are you taking yet another Patrick Mahomes triumph? I'm taking the Ravens. I think this is Lamar's year. I think that they are operating very well on both sides of the ball. The offense looks good. Lamar looked really good. I know it was just I know it was the Texans and I know, you know, their first year, you know, with D'Amico Ryan's all that stuff. But that I mean that Texans defense was pretty solid throughout the season. They still have some kinks to work out, of course, but I think they have the uh the offensive rookie of the year in Will Anderson. He had a really good year, so uh, they they uh, they have a lot of potential on that roster, um, uh, and th- they can only go up. But it, obviously, the Ravens are a much more polished team, a much more veteran team, a much overall better team, um, and and they just kind of dominated that game, especially in the second half uh, in the fourth quarter. They really just took off with that game. Uh, but Lamar looked really good. Two to- two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, a um, hundred rushing yards, and uh, you know, hundred and fifty two passing yards was efficient when he was throwing the ball. Uh, so looked really, really, really good uh, overall. So really excited. And, um, you know, I, I think he's going to get I think this is his year, man. I really do. He's going to get that MVP. I think I think he's really going to get it. I think he's going to shut up all the naysayers. That's really something I'm excited, excited for with him. <laughs> I said naysayers. <laughs> I'd rather you I didn't say that. Think about that. I didn't, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, um, and so I, I think he's I think he's really going to I think he's had a fantastic season. I'm excited. I think that this year they get over the hump. They beat the Chiefs. Uh, he goes to the Super Bowl. Um, and is is going to have another fantastic game. So, Cam, do you know what Patrick Mahomes' playoff record is in regulation? Dude, he's won sixteen and yeah, one. I was going to say the one loss, loss is to like Ryan Lavoy's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where they smashed him over their knee in the Super Bowl. Yep. Okay. I will say this now. I heard this on the radio today. Uh, Someone asked like wins. someone asked Vegas if this was the regular season, what would the line be? And they said it'd be six and a half for the Ravens. And they said, But why is it three and a half? They said it's because of Mahomes. Yeah, dude. There's now gonna be a three 100%. point about, about to 100%. say off Mahomes. About to say, so if you want to know what Vegas thinks about it. Okay, so here's the thing. The Ravens are the much better team. I think I don't think that's a very profound thing. I think both defenses are pretty stout. Yeah, it's and one and two actually. I was about like, to say Ravens I'm pretty, are one, the Chiefs are two and allowed points per game. I was about to say season. they're pretty even. That's that's almost a draw right there. They're both really good. Uh, obviously, uh, Mike McDa- Mike McDonald is the uh, Ravens DC and Steve Spagnola who's been in the league forever is the Chiefs defensive Spags. corner. His Spags is 
doing once again some great work. Uh, it's going to come down to uh, I think it's just going to come down to Kim Mahomes you know, score with that bad of a receiving court. Now, they did it against Buffalo. They did it against Miami. But, you know, this is a different animal now. Now you're facing the Ravens. Now you're facing numero uno right there. So I think it's going to boil down to that. But how can you go up against the man that's 16-1 and in regulation? So I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I am am not a Swifty. I am not Brooks Childress. Okay. (laughs) My brother Jackson's a big Chiefs fan. He's been a Chiefs fan since before Andy Reid. So he was in some he was in some tough times back then, but uh, you know, before they even drafted Eric Fisher and crew. But uh but no, I'm legit going with Patrick Mahomes here. I just think that um, I'm going with experience. All right, we got more to say on this. I respect it. We got more to say on this one, but let's go ahead and take a phone call now on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you today? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, not that y'all are talking about. Uh, the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs, because I know they played this weekend, and I am going to say that the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, it's going to be a good game, but I think the Baltimore Ravens, they have a um, a good outcome in it. So I don't know what the line is for Vegas. I don't know. It's been It's been going up and down um, all all week. So I don't know what they're going to say uh, close to kickoff time as well. Yeah, as of right now, the Ravens are favored by four, according to the ESPN app. So uh, I know it's been three and a half, four, somewhere in there. Yes, because I think with the Baltimore Ravens, I've seen them play in the Super Bowl, I think, last year, the year before last, if I'm correct. Uh, no, it's been about a decade. The last time they were in the Super Bowl was uh, when the Harbaugh brothers were playing each other, San Francisco and Baltimore, and uh, and John Harbaugh and the Ravens won that one. Yeah, because I think that was the Super Bowl. I know it was the Super Bowl because they played that in New Orleans, and that Super Bowl was the blackout game when the lights went out, and uh, when they turned the lights back on, that's when uh, time expired for that game as well. Uh, yeah, no, that was uh, exactly. They had a, a, a massive malfunction there, which is, again, just an, uh, a tough look. That's something that also happened kind of uh, the other day in Coleman Coliseum. But, yeah, that Super Bowl was in 2012, and, uh, again, Baltimore did win that one. They've not been to the Super Bowl since, but they've been in the playoffs pretty much every year. Yes, that's right, because I think this year would be the Baltimore Ravens' year with the Baltimore Ravens and the uh, the Detroit Lions meeting up in the Super Bowl because I looked at it. I looked at the Detroit Lions history. They never played in a Super Bowl. They don't have no Super Bowl, Vince Lombardi trophies, no rings, not, nothing of that sort. So they just, this would be uh, Detroit's first time ever playing in this year's Super Bowl this year. Yes, uh, if they're able to beat San Francisco, uh, that would be their first Super Bowl appearance, and that would be something very special. Again, Detroit has already had a magical year. They did not want a playoff game in a very long time, so just to do that was a win. Uh, but they've obviously got their eyes set on the big prize, so we'll see if they can get there. Yes, because I know this is like really close. Uh, the Super Bowl is right around the corner, so I know this is going to be the uh, – the championship uh, round, so I know this is going to be uh, very hard to compress as everybody's football fans 
of you know these two uh, these four franchise teams in the NFL. So I think that the NFL should have instead of having four teams, they should have eight teams playing. Uh, you know, like a home at home stadium as well. Well, James, I mean, there was eight teams playing last week. That was just an earlier round in the playoffs. At some point, you do kind of have to whittle it down. Uh, so they yeah. so they did have eight, and they were at certain you know home venues, depending on who the highest seed was. Yes, but I was I was trying to like say like they can have like a win uh, a win or go home type you know feeling like like it like it's done in the NBA as well. So, so you're wanting a, a series, so you want them to play multiple games. Yes, okay. like when they go when it gets to the divisional round, it would be like win, win or go home as well. That would be a lot of football. Uh, that that would lead to some more injuries. So I think that would be kind of the the health thing. Yeah, the NFL those players would, would be exhausted. Uh, it would certainly be fun for us. I mean, that's a lot of football, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, think that will not be happening just due to having to play so many games. Yeah, because I know when uh, they when they when they always talk about like uh, Travis Kelsey and his new girlfriend uh, Taylor Swift, they always talk about them like they're just like the whole big picture of the NFL. I'm an NFL fan. I don't want to see Taylor Swift being out in the news. I want to know what's going to be going on in the NFL. They need to stick to the commentating for the NFL games. I don't want them to, you know, like they'll talk about the game for one minute and then talk about Travis Kelsey's, you know, girlfriend. I I don't want to know anything about, you know, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. That's, you know, people are really upset about that. Yeah, certainly some some are. Uh, Again, they definitely have showed her uh, just about every game she's been at multiple times. Uh, they they talk about it and joke about it a little bit. I, I think that they I think I saw there was a uh, someone did the study and the average screen time for her was like a minute or something like that uh, mm-hmm. in these playoff games. So uh, when you when you put it to you that way, it's it doesn't seem like much. But yeah, I know I know people are uh, very passionate about that topic, and of course we'll we'll see how they handle it on Sunday. Yes, as well because um, with with this game coming in. On Sunday, I'm going to be watching the Baltimore Ravens very closely and seeing how Lamar Jackson is actually going to do because I know he is, like, right now, he is in the MVP race as well. But I'm thinking in in my mind as an NFL fan, I'll probably see Lamar Jackson and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as, you know, to get, like, you know, gold jackets before, you know, after the Super Bowl win as well. Because they, they are, like, a really good duo this year. Yeah, again, th- those would be reserved for making the Hall of Fame, of which I think Lamar uh, will probably be on his way towards doing. Uh, Odell a little bit less clear because of all of his injuries and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, the gold jackets uh, definitely, once uh, once they retire and uh, get ready for life after football, those will definitely be in play. Yes, as well, because I know um, I've been I've been trying to see if Deshaun Watson might be playing, like is he coming back to the NFL next year or what, what could be the case because I haven't heard anything about Deshaun Watson playing with the uh, Cleveland Browns in, in a while now. Yeah, no, he played this year for the Browns. He just got hurt. 
Uh, he he played like seven games for Cleveland this year, and then he just had too many shoulder injuries and that sort of thing. Yeah, because I know they were uh, trying to see if like the allegations were already clear from what he's been doing and stuff like that. Because I I've been trying to see if things cleared up with that. Yeah, no, they're they're done with that part of it. No, he's he's just pl- he's playing football. He just was injured this year. Okay, so I, I think he might play probably like next year. Uh, yes. You know, in twenty twenty five when the season actually starts because this season is already over as well. Yes, it is over for twenty eight of the thirty two teams. So we'll we'll see him again in the field this fall. Yeah. So I'm just um, I'm just seeing um, who would be who would be like the new contenders for the twenty twenty five Super Bowl that would. Um, that will make it to the Super Bowl. And I'm looking at some great venues for 2025 for the Super Bowl. I think it's like Super Bowl 59. I'm looking at like, um, I'm looking at like, uh, Miami. I'm looking at Tampa. I'm looking at Atlanta. So those are my main three, uh, Super Bowl, uh, locations that I'm looking for. Yeah. I think they've already, uh, they've already announced it as New Orleans, I believe, for the, uh, 2025 Super Bowl, if I'm, if I'm correct there. So they've already got that uh, figured out. February 9th, 2025, it'll be uh, in New Orleans. I know they've named out a couple more, too. They have to. They, they name these out a few years in advance. Yeah, because I know they always do, like, the Super Bowl, um, like, the Super Bowl logos. But when they do those logos, they already know who's going to, like, what two teams are already going to play with, like, the logos that they do for the Super Bowl as well. Uh, that is a conspiracy going on uh, right now because again they create the logo before the season, so they they, they don't uh, they can't actually predict who is going to be mm-hmm. in it. It's just that it's matched up very well the last few years. That just so happens teams representing those colors have ended up mm-hmm. in the game, but actually they do that logo before time, so they really don't know. It's just worked out well for them. Yes, as well. And then with the uh, with the NFL. Uh, combine that's going to be coming up this I think it's in April this year if I'm correct no it's in March it's like one of the first weeks of March okay so I was looking at um I was looking at like who is going to be from Auburn that I'm going to be looking at like who's going to be like a good candidate for the NFL combine that I'm going to be looking at this year Probably Auburn's DBs will be kind of the main guys there, like a DJ James or, or Nehemiah Pritchett or something like that. Uh, again, Auburn's not going to have too many prospects off of this this past team. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll see what those invites are like here in about – I think they invite mid-February, something yeah, there. Yeah, somewhere along those lines. And, James, speaking mm-hmm. of former Auburn defensive backs, uh, you're a good friend of sports culture, Von Reed, took the UCF cornerbacks coach uh, job today. I was curious to see how you felt about uh, Trevon getting a promotion up in uh, Central Florida. Well, I did actually get uh, a chance to – uh, see that in my uh, in my Twitter feed, and I'm I'm very very excited for him, and I'm hoping he's going to do a good job with our former Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn, and I'm going to see what he's really going to bring to that uh, to that UFC uh, the Central Florida Night Golden uh, I think it's like the Golden Knights if I'm yeah correct. UCF Knights yep yeah so I'm just going to see how their season is going to do this year. 
And um, I'm going to probably, uh, you know, keep my eye out for him if he's on the sideline or something like that. I'll just, you know, see how how the Golden Knights are actually going to see how they're going to look this year. Yeah, we shall see. What else is on your mind before we have to let you go, James? Well, I'm actually uh, counting down the days to the All-Star game that's going to be played in in Indianapolis. And um, this actually caught my eye because I am a NBA fan. And in the airport in Indiana, they actually had a full-size basketball court in one of the terminals. So it's really amazing to see that as well. Yes, it is. I mean, I, I can't imagine trying to grab a flight but trying to get a quick run in, too. That would be <laughs> that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be um, a lot of fun. And I just put in um, great players that are going to be playing in the All-Star game. I picked a couple of uh, Auburn players. I put uh, Walker Kessler in there from uh, Utah. I picked, uh, you know, uh, Jabari Smith from uh, the Houston Rockets. So, and and I got a couple of guys in there that's gonna that's really gonna do good as well. So I got uh, Luka Doncic in there, and then I got uh, you know different other like other basketball players as well, like LeBron. Um, I actually had him in there, but I'm just uh, a lot of people were putting like votes in for LeBron James, but he I'm not quite sure if he will be playing this time, so I'm not quite sure on that. So I yeah can't he quote myself on that one. Sure, yeah he uh, he did make the team last night, twentieth All Star appearance. He's going to captain one of the teams, I believe, again. So uh, yeah, he is in incredible longevity from LeBron. Yes, as well. And then with the NASCAR schedule coming around uh, in February, on uh, January the 29th, Netflix is actually doing a series, a, a, a limited series on NASCAR. So it's like the backstory of NASCAR, and they have a lot of uh, different uh guys that are going to be talking about, you know, their their way of um of what it takes to be in the NASCAR circuit as well. And then on top of that, next year in 2025, I've heard about this on first take yesterday from uh the director uh you know, the the main guy of wrestling, uh Dwayne Rock Johnson, he is actually doing a WWE promo on Netflix as well. So that will be really good. That's on January the twenty fifth of next year in twenty twenty five. All right then. Good stuff at Netflix. Yes, it is indeed as well. Maybe um, you know, it, it's a lot of stuff that hits Netflix, you know, a lot of sporting events and stuff, sporting, uh, you know, movies and stuff. So it's a, a lot of sports movies that I like as well. So it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing on there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, James, we certainly appreciate the call today. And uh, if you want any trivia, let us know next week. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's head to one final timeout here in hour number two. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports call returns after this.
is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports call, Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact, on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. we got a few minutes left in this hour. Prior to that, uh, James from Montgomery phone call, we were talking about the AFC title game between the Baltimore Ravens and Kansas City Chiefs, which also makes this a really good time to reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The MVP favorite led Baltimore to a dominant 34-10 win over the Houston Texans in the NFL's divisional round Saturday, accounting for 252 yards between his rushing and his passing and scoring four touchdowns. With the win, Baltimore advanced to the AFC Championship while they would take on the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday for a shot to advance to the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So Lamar Jackson is our player of the week from this uh, de- decisive performance against the Houston Texans. The team is complete. We'll get back to the team in just a moment. But, again, Lamar has had a, a special season. Uh, he has thrown the ball better. He has continued to run it effectively. Uh, he is so hard to get down in the pocket just because of how quick he is, how much of a lane contain you have to be. And that's such delicate balance for defensive ends, too, to be able to try to rush the passer and try to work the pocket in a way that actually gives you a good opportunity to sack him, yet does not break contain because then he breaks contain and then he's going to run and run and run and run and run. Uh, And you're not going to catch him. So uh, he's been great this year, and it's the first time we've been able to see him in the playoffs for a couple years because of injuries. Again, if you were just looking at the regular season the last three or four years, the biggest competition to Kansas City would be the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. Now, the previous couple of regular seasons, Lamar got hurt both times. Yep. One time they flat out missed the playoffs, and the other time they had to bring Tyler Huntley into their playoff game, which they did not win. So we're getting to see maybe, again, I said coronation earlier, and I would say it again, kind of the coronation, the culmination of Lamar, and of these last few years where Baltimore in the regular season was just as good as Kansas City when Lamar was healthy. Yes. And so we now get to see in the playoffs, can this Baltimore team put in not an end because it's not one win. Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City are going to be here just about every year. <sighs> but Until can the they put time. a stop on this <clears throat> version of Kansas City, a version of Kansas City which did look a little bit less bulletproof during the regular season? Yeah, I mean – yeah, a little bit less bulletproof for sure. The the defense actually looked better than the offense for once, which 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 was definitely weird uh, for for Kansas City's uh, side of things. But 
Um, yeah, yeah, they they should be able to stop this offense. I don't see why not. They've got talent all over that defense for the Ravens. They are, um, Ro- I mean, the addition of Roquan Smith really can't be spoken enough. It's like he came in and everything just clicked. I mean, really, he was the perfect piece. I know. I'm sorry, TP. I know he was with your Bears, but nah, um, he, um, you know, you you guys didn't want him anymore, and so nah. the Ravens were like, "Well, I mean, we'll take him. You know, whatever, we'll take him." And <laughs> he's been playing at a uh, almost all pro. Uh, yeah all pro <laughs> level. I was gonna say I don't I all pro level. So it is. Um, yeah, he's been he's been playing quite well, and, and that defense is looking really stellar. Uh, obviously, Rashi Rice towards the end of the season has come on as a true receiving threat for the for the Chiefs. So you have to pay attention to him. Um, Pacheco, hard running threat, of course, and then you always have Travis Kelsey, the forever threat to do what he does. Uh, obviously, not as high of a season as he's typically had, but. Two touchdowns last last week, so he's still a threat to score. He's still going to be Patrick Mahomes' number one guy, um, so he's gonna, certainly going to be somebody to pay attention to. But this defense, they're they're flying around. They are stout, and uh, I think that's what's ultimately going to win them the game. Uh, I I don't even think the offense for the Ravens has to be amazing because the defense is so good. But if they're able to score twenty plus, I think they'll have a a pretty good chance of winning. So I think. You, you know what you said that was all really that was correct i, I totally agree with you on that i thought you were gonna say like that's all well and good but but <laughs> no no he, he, he took a lot what i was gonna say the only thing i disagree with is the ravens winning I, i'd be surprised if this Ooh, if this score this if this score was anything over like 20 to 17 i really think that's gonna be like the final yeah i think I, I, uh i think over under is 44 and a half so it'd be about 24 20 yeah type of game yeah so so you see, I'm with Vegas here, but no, uh, they. I just think, I think championship experience really plays in the factor. I know the Ravens have John Harbaugh, but you know the Chiefs have Andy Reid, and those are two of the best coaches in the league. So it's pretty dead even there. Agree. And I think, um, I think this Chiefs defense is here to stay. I, I really do. It's a young group. It's not really the only veteran. Really, is Chris Jones, which feels weird to say, but he's on a pretty big deal, so you don't have to worry about him going anywhere. Um, Rashid Rice has really came on as the Chiefs' number one, but uh, and Kadarius Tony has been sitting on the bench. So the Chiefs' offense has looked pretty good, and uh, I'm not sure how many more years we will get Travis Kelsey. I know there's been some murmurs that he may not be there next year. But really, yeah, I mean, I, I'm if about you were to, to say, retire the same year as his brother, just be. Done I mean, with it football. would make sense, but I'm not saying I'm not I am not breaking any news. It's just something that's been talked about at least on the internet, which is, you know, a great source of information, but like, but no, I just think I just, I'm going with the experience here and I'm going with, you know, going with Mahomes, And, uh, I think Buffalo's offense is actually a little bit better than the Ravens is, even though Lamar is extremely talented and extremely fast. I do think that their offense was better and they were able to stifle them pretty well. And I think, the Chiefs' defense will have similar success against Baltimore, and I think they're going to come out with a 20-17 to 17 victory. We do have to end the hour here, but the one thing I will say is, and Cam touched on it briefly with Roquan, this is random. I don't usually single this out about why I really think a team is really good. 
the linebacking room for Dude, Baltimore freaking. could be the difference in this game because these linebackers, they don't rely on true defensive linemen to rush the passer. They rely on outside linebackers, Davian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy in particular. Van Noy, even though many probably remember him more for his New England days, had nine sacks this year. Clowney had nine and a half. Those two are really talented. And then, of course, you have Roquan Smith and Patrick yeah. Queen, Queen of which Jeez. have 130 tackles this yep. year. These two are ballers. That is probably one of, if not the best, linebacking rooms in the National Football League when you just compare the complete package of edge plus inside. And so that's going to be very important because these linebackers, some of those edges, that's going to be on them to contain Mahomes, but it's also going to be on those middle guys to make sure Pacheco doesn't get going. They'll defend Kelsey some. Some of those athletic linebackers probably have a a turn or two on Kelsey, and those matchups can always be very vital as well. We are out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned in hour number three. We got to get to the NFC Championship game as well as a look around the SEC and college basketball this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of this Friday edition of Sports Call goes on right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Friday final hour of the program for the show for the day and for the week. And we're getting the 5 o'clock hour uh, with no Wacky Wednesday or just getting here at all for the first time since Monday. We had two shortened shows on Tuesday and Thursday and had the Wacky Wednesday and Wednesday. So with that, we want to make sure we get to the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you if you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers. Your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, as I've gotten in semi-habit of doing, there's always something with like six or seven things. So we're cheating once again just a little bit with the 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. We're going to look at the SEC basketball slate on tap for tomorrow. It starts with number one. Georgia at Florida would be a big one in the football world. Pretty important one in the basketball world. Georgia 14 and 5 on the season. Florida 13 and 6. Right now, Florida 3 and 3 in the Southeastern Conference. Georgia 4 and 2. Both teams have some NCAA tournament aspirations. Georgia, maybe again, just a little bit ahead of the curve compared to Florida. 
Uh, and Georgia's surprising some people under Mike White here in year two. It's Todd Golden's second year at Ford as well, and they also are starting to make some improvements. Number two. 12 o'clock on the SEC Network. If I told you Missouri and South Carolina would play, and one team would be 16-3, and three, and one would be 8-11, and 11, you might think that Missouri would be 16-3, and three, and South Carolina would be 8-11. and 11. But not so fast, my friends, as Missouri is having a rough year down at the bottom of the SEC standings along with Vanderbilt, while South Carolina, 16-3, fresh off the heels of an upset of Kentucky earlier this week, might find themselves ranked if they could hang on and be a lowly Missouri team in Colonial Life Arena in Columbia, South Carolina this weekend. So that one, interesting as the Gamecocks try to get to 17-3. and three. Number three. Of course, Auburn at Mississippi State, 230 on the SEC Network. Tigers trying to rebound from their first conference loss. And again, uh, first loss at all since the Appalachian State game. So the Tigers... And Bulldogs will hook up. We've talked a little bit about that. We'll have a little bit more on that in just a moment. Number four. Next up, this one should be one of the rare times the better team goes on the road and shouldn't have to worry too much about it. Tennessee goes to 5-13 and 13 Vanderbilt. Of course, Tennessee has lost an SEC play on the road. They lost to the aforementioned Mississippi State Bulldogs. But Vandy at just 5-13 and 13 yet to win a league game. Uh, clearly struggling along under Jerry Stackhouse. You have to wonder how much longer they will go on with him as they're having uh, just an, an awful year. Number five. Next up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number six, Kentucky goes to Arkansas. Now, usually this would be the type of game that would kind of lead the weekend for the SEC. It would be kind of a banner game. However, Arkansas is not themselves just 10 and 9 on the season and only one SEC win one which they were kind of quite fortunate to get as they defeated Texas A&M at the buzzer with a Trayvon Mark kind of floater in the lane so Arkansas very well for the same price could be 0 and 6 in the league however they are 1 and 5 just 10 and 9 overall but look you never really know they did beat Duke earlier in the year another blue blood so we'll see how Kentucky responds after losing earlier this week on the road. And a couple bonus ones for you for the Southeastern Land Group 5 at 5. Number 6. Alabama and LSU. That one's a 7 o'clock ESPN game. Of course, Alabama fresh off the win against Auburn. If Alabama wins that one against LSU, I think they, like South Carolina, might find themselves ranked in the top 25. LSU, after a pretty positive start in league play, uh, is slipping a little bit. They are 3-3, three and three, and with their 11-8 and eight overall record, it would take a pretty dang good SEC slate for them to end up making the NCAA tournament. And last up for the SEC slate this weekend. Number seven. This one's an interesting one. I, I would put this towards the top of the list for the weekend. Number, excuse me, 16 and three Ole Miss goes to 12 and seven Texas A&M. Ole Miss seems to really like to have one really good performance and one really yeah. awful performance. Ole Miss lost by 26 to Tennessee. Then they beat Florida by 18. They beat Vandy by 13. They lost to LSU, which may not end up being a good thing. Then they got cracked by Auburn by 23. And then they beat Arkansas by 26. So which Ole Miss team will show up? And then for Texas A&M, they're trying to get out of an early season hole. They are also 3-3 three and three in the league. They were picked towards the top of the SEC, and I believe Wade Taylor was the SEC preseason player 
of the year. But A&M has won three out of four, starting with that Kentucky game. The Arkansas game, the one they lost, they really could have won. But they did go to LSU to win, and they did beat Missouri at home. So A&M does have a little bit of momentum. So that's a look at the SEC slate and the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. So, fellas, there's your seven matchups this weekend. Any teams or particular games of that grouping that particularly interest you? <clears throat> I'm interested in this Georgia and Florida matchup. Uh, two teams that pretty middle of the tier in the SEC, but I will say that Georgia has been much improved. Mike White, Mike White knows what he's doing. Uh, um, playing against, uh, facing his former team right in Florida, which is um, going to be interesting. Uh, down in Gainesville, but uh, that that's exciting. If they can get it in a way win like that against, uh, it's tough to win in Florida. Just no matter how good that team is, it's tough to win in Gainesville. So if Georgia can go in and get that get a win against a, a decent Florida team at home, then you, you're definitely gonna that that's definitely gonna be a recipe for um, you know a team that could potentially be sniffing the tournament i don't know we'll see if you can continue to rack up wins in the sec you have a chance they're sitting at four and two right now that's that's looking pretty decent so we'll see how it come, comes down to the end of the season uh they're not going to win the sec really by any means but still they're 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 competitive and that's not that's something you haven't been able to say about georgia for a, a while it's, it's been a good while so mike white has them really looking pretty decent so that's a matchup that i'm looking forward to so i, I am looking forward to that because i don't know if you know but uh, i i'm not sure if you mentioned but you know mike white used to be the florida coach yeah yeah, yeah i mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. okay he's good, going yeah. back to florida okay yeah. yeah and so i mean it's pretty impressive because it wasn't that great at florida i mean he got he kind of they were okay they were right. they were very mediocre yeah, they were they, were, they were, made the tournament right. lost the first round right yeah they yeah were, they, they, they were, were they were they were they were average, in my opinion. But I'm looking forward to that one. But I'm actually curious about two games. And they, one of them, you're going to be like, why? And the second one, you may be really like, why? And they, it's South Carolina versus Missouri. <laughs> and then Kentucky why? versus Arkansas. Now, let me explain. South Carolina's coming off no, I get the it. biggest win, yes. their largest win over a top-10 team ever. I agree. Since 1997 against Cincinnati, uh, it was you know at home, big. You're hearing all week from your classmates, "Oh, you guys are so good! You took down Kentucky. You you really wore them out there." And now you're bringing in Missouri, who's eight and eleven, zero and six, sporting that great record. You know, a loss to Jackson State. I mean, this is this is a very bad Missouri team. But Missouri's got something to play for. They got pride to play for. So I think that game's gonna be a lot closer. Dennis Gates is a fantastic coach. Um, you know, he's not having a great year, but you know, he he's done well everywhere he's been. I think he's gonna have a squad there. I think it's gonna be a really tight ball game. Now, Kentucky versus Arkansas, this one has the potential to not be that good. But I'm going to say it just because it's at Bud Walton, tough place to play, even though Auburn ran him out of the gym. I think it's still a really hard place to play, and that will be totally packed out, full of Arkansas fans. And uh, you got to see how Kentucky bounces back after adversity. They went on the road, and they got destroyed on uh, Tuesday night. So now they get to go back on the road and go into a very hostile environment against a team that, albeit, is not as good as South Carolina, but is very talented. So if you might fall into another trap where you're just you're, you're climbing an uphill battle against momentum and whatnot, so... Um, I, I would really like to see how Kentucky does handling adversity for the first real time this year as conference play is definitely, you know, in full effect. So uh, those are the two games I'm looking forward to uh, this weekend. 
Uh, I agree on the Arkansas-Kentucky game just because Arkansas, to me, feels... Weird team. Well, they are weird. They feel undisciplined. Like, they feel like they just... They don't. They pay don't run an offense, right? No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just like it's things. Just up. one-on-one. It's ball. like YMCA ball. It's I like I fully let's just agree. Do it. Yeah, like, I bet they would have some success if Musselman put in some sets. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, like I had one of my really good friends. He writes for Arkansas. I said, "What is wrong with your t- like, this team? This team. This, I was like, you should not be this terrible. They're not a team." He, he said it really well. He's like, "This team is afraid of losing rather than the you know going after the win." I was like. Makes sense. He's like, well, they, you know, they did really well against Duke. I mean, they beat Duke, uh, who's been really good this year. He's like, but you know, now they're just, now they're just in their own head. So I, this Arkansas team has all the talent in the world. They should not be where they are at ten and nine. And let's face it, not even in the tournament right now. No, so no, not no, at all. No, they're no. not a tournament. Not at all. Absolutely. And not. you know, if they want to turn around their season, they got to start tomorrow against Kentucky and get a big win there. It, well, it's just like you look on paper. Traymon Mark, he's a great player. He's 18 points a game. Kalip Out, he's a good player. 12 points a game. Traven Brazil, he's a good player. Uh, some of these other guys, Minifield was supposed to be a good player. He has struggled. L. Ellis, I don't know if anyone knows the name L. Ellis. He averaged 18 a game at Louisville last year. And I know Louisville's terrible. I get it. How dare 18 you? a game in the ACC. <laughs> like, like, again, if 18 a game is something. Okay, even on a bad team, that's something. The dude is shooting 34% from the field and 25% from three, averaging just five points a game after averaging 18 a game last year. Like, Ow. That, that is something objectively wrong with how they use him or how he is fit or how he's getting along uh, there at Arkansas. Again, their backcourt should have been awesome. So uh, whatever, if it's a poor coaching job, which it probably is, if the kids just are not listening and, and not playing with much discipline, whatever's the case, again, I, I look, paper will lie from time to time. But these players, if they had fit together or played good team basketball, been coached well, this would not be 10 and 9 team. This would have been a pretty good team. So uh, that always interests me in a game like this because they feel like they'll just run up and down and chuck things up with Kentucky, and we'll see. And Kentucky plays very poor defense in general, so that will lend itself to letting Arkansas get away with just playing too fast because Kentucky won't necessarily guard it well. But I would like to see if they can re-summon what they had against Duke earlier this year because if they want any path to backdooring themselves back in the postseason, they got to start, A, just winning any game, but, B, they'll need some more big-time wins like this. So I, I would like to propose a question to both of y'all. I know I'm not the host, but I do have to ask, is Arkansas the biggest flop this year in college basketball? I mean, they had made deep tournament runs the past couple of years, and this year they were pretty – they had rated the – They had expectations. The, they had extremely high expectations. They rated the portal. They got good players, as Ryan was discussing right there. Are they the biggest flop in college basketball so far? Them or USC. Yeah, yeah. One, that, one of the two. I forgot about USC? Them. I, you said USC. Them or USC. Uh, I would say because I, I just told the Arkansas side of things. For USC, I know they've had some injuries, and that's that's fair. Right. But that was a preseason top 25 team, and they're I think they're below 500. I'll check. And they have the projected, not if not number one overall pick, a top three, five pick in Isaiah Collier. They right. are eight what, and 11. Eight and 11. 
plus Boogie Ellis, who's just he's not a pro, but he's, he's a, a, good a very good college right. basketball player, scores eighteen to twenty a game. And I'm not even I don't even care about the, the Bronny James part of it. I'm just saying objectively speaking, if you've got a top three pick and you've got a twenty point scorer in college basketball and you're preseason top twenty five and you're eight and eleven, that's incredibly disappointing. I again so I'm not necessarily marrying myself to either or. Let's see exactly how down the tubes Arkansas goes because Arkansas is probably supposed to be about a top 15 team, which is about 10 spots higher than what USC was supposed to be. But they're both not headed towards the postseason. And that's both. And, and, it, and I will say this. It, the, there might be a better argument for USC in that Arkansas can probably reload and be fine just next year. Right. I don't know how USC is supposed US, to think they yeah. can do better. Yeah, they, USC they, might be on a downward trajectory. They, they may make a coaching change after yes. this. Yeah. I, and I would. I, I would. probably would. Yeah, yeah, I would as well. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm leaning Arkansas um, because they have so much talent on the roster. Um, and I don't know if that has to do with – Musselman and how you know a team full of transfers I feel like the best way to get them to gel is to actually have an offensive game plan not play a bunch of one-on-one basketball um and again and they don't run an offense they they play a lot of one-on-one ball they don't run sets they don't do things like that so uh, I, I think that the team just doesn't gel in a natural way like the team is supposed to be so I I I am leaning towards towards Arkansas because of that. I'll give you one more to join. Well, we'll you can do gold, silver, silver, and bronze with these three. This one might be the <laughs> bronze. Uh, I'll go Michigan State too. They're Ooh, only, only yeah. twelve and seven. They were preseason number four. True, and they have Tom Izzo. They had guys returning again. I understand they still might end up in the tournament. Twelve and seven is not dead and buried. I mean, they they could still end up. They play Wisconsin tonight. That'd be a great win to get because Wisconsin's ranked. But uh, you know, when you have a top five preseason team, you just should not be in danger of missing the tournament. We saw it last year with North Carolina, where they were preseason number one. They did not make the NCAA tournament. Anytime that you are a well-known program like that and you are that highly ranked to begin the year and you are in any danger of missing the tournament, you have you have justifiably failed. Because we can say, oh, you know, Arkansas top 15 team preseason, something like that. That's pretty high expectations, right? Or we can say USC, oh, they're not always supposed to be in the top 25. That's, those are pretty good expectations. But if you're preseason top five, you're one of the teams that people think could cut down the nets at the beginning of the year. And if you go from – the, the perception of potentially cutting down the nets to not even making the net, not even playing right. and shooting at the net, right. then that is a pretty big fail. So, again, I'll go Arkansas and USC because they're just flat out probably going to miss the tournament. But I think Michigan State deserves a bronze there because you can't be that expectations with that legendary coach and fall this far and again, they're twelve and seven. Their season could be redeemed. They could end up in the tournament, then it's not a big deal. Or they could go eighteen and fifteen and, and miss the tournament. And again, top five teams missing tournament. That's that's not a good look and, and not doesn't work out at Michigan State. Did you have a thought to that? Uh, I was there? I was gonna add a fourth yeah. place before okay. we get a break. Four, add some more. <laughs> fourth place, Michigan. Seven okay. and twelve. They have just been Michigan's weird. been rough the last couple of years. Yeah, but they haven't been this bad. Of course they're you know, they they have a uh, you know they they're two and six in Big Ten play, and they've lost some bad. I mean they lost to Long Beach State, 
They lost to uh, they lost to McNeese State. They they've lost yeah. some bad the games. Finding and, yeah, yeah, the Fighting Will Wade. Yeah, the Fighting Will Wade. And uh, I, I, you know, we talked about coaching changes with USC. I, I don't think Jawan Howard's gonna be the coach of the Wolverines next year. It's just been interesting. A, it's, fair. it's been it's been a very bizarre I mean, yeah, tenure. It's possible. They it's, they tend to hold. I mean, you know, just he is one. Players, of, he is a Michigan you know, man. Yeah. So but, like that's what I was gonna allude to is that being but a it's former just been, player, I bet they hang on to him just a little bit. Maybe one more pass, one more season. If they don't see any improvement, then they let him go. Because, I mean, even with, just for example, Georgetown held on to Patrick Ewing probably, what, two seasons too long? Too long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just too so, long. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're going to. I like give, Georgetown as yeah, well. So they're going to give him, they're going to give him, he gets a little bit of extra slack being a, being an alumni and, of course, obviously being a part of the Fab Five. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they retained him, but I, I just. It's just well, I feel been, you gotta win. It's just been really. I mean, they. I mean, in the Does games he do that well they have in recruiting. That, I mean, they they haven't they haven't really hit the portal. I mean, they lost what? they lost Hutchinson. Obviously, they, they did I'm lose. Just, you so mean Dickinson? Dickinson. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Hutchinson yes. is in the pros for the NFL. <laughs> yeah, <but> yeah. <laughs> they did lose him. Just well, and, and look, I will say this too. I, this as an SEC tie, I don't think I'm studying this hard deep into the bowels of the Big Ten. I bet you although are. a good conference. I bet you are. Uh, right. But one of Michigan's top players is Olivier Nkamwa, who oh, yeah. was at Tennessee last yeah, year, about yeah, a 10, yeah. 12 point score for the Vols last year. He was good. Now, they replaced him with Dalton Connect, who's far better of course. than Olivier Nkamwa, but he's averaging like 16 a game for Michigan, so he's a really good player. So they got him. Obviously, they needed more than that when you lose Hunter Dickinson, but. Uh, yeah, no, 7-12 Michigan's not going to cut it. Uh, not that this is disappointing because they knew they were going to be this bad, yeah. but Louisville is also really, really bad yeah. again. And, uh, they will be looking for a new ho- head coach this offseason too. So there's definitely some disappointing programs right. to go around in just about each conference. That's a look at some SEC basketball and a little bonus basketball around the country. Let's go ahead and take our next time out of the show when we come back. We'll hop back into the NFL. We went over the AFC Championship game in hour number two. Time to go over the NFC Championship game here in hour number three. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. A little less than a half hour remaining, and we've yet to talk NFC Championship game. So let's get to that. We went through the AFC Championship game a little bit earlier. If you missed that, go and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. 
So, NFC title game, one of these things is not like the other. San Francisco 49ers and the Detroit Lions. 49ers have been in this game four of the last five years. The only year they were not was 2020 when it was the Packers and the Buccaneers. And the Lions have never been further than this point. Never been to the Super Bowl. All right, I'm TP, I know from conversations with you, you're a little skeptical of Detroit's chances. Why is that? So my biggest concern is the secondary. I mean, <clears throat> they, it's shown up time and time over the playoffs. I mean, first game, Matthew Stafford had his way with that secondary for the most part. Puka Nakua did. And uh, it was not I'm, – I'm more amazed that they were able to pull out that victory. I really did think that the Rams were going to win that. Nevertheless, big victory for Detroit. And then the next week they played – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike Evans had himself quite the day. Ryan probably knows the numbers, but it was a lot. It was a They're lot. They're etched in my heart. Yes, they are. <laughs> they, they were, it was a lot of heart. receiving yards on Cam Sutton. Oh so there you go. Uh, but, you know, I just feel like now you have that ingrained where it's like, it's hard to run on them. And I think you, I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, I know that the Bucks running back did get some yards there, but it's a lot easier to throw on them. And um, they do have a good pass rush. They get Aiden Hutchins in there. They bring some good pressure. They, they do a good job of disguising it. Um, they have a really good linebacker, Alex Anzalone. An- Anzalone uh, he's really good. Um, I, I just am worried about that defense. That's been their problem all year, has been that the secondary. It's the secondary. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the Achilles heel. And, uh, I know, um, Debo's now off the injury reserve, uh, as Cam reported to us at at a break, but, um, you know, it's just that they still have Brandon Ayuk and I know that Debo's probably not going to be a hundred percent. And, uh, I I just think that, you know, being at home matters and, you know, I think it's just going to be tough. And I think uh, I think the 49ers are going to win about twenty eight to twenty, and I think uh, Brock Purdy's going to do pretty well against that uh, Lions secondary. But Cam, you may have a different opinion about this game. What, what do you think? No, I think all of your points are are very very good. I just, I mean, my heart just wants the Lions. To no, win. I want really them too. I but, want them too. <laughs> you know, uh, in reality, you're right. The secondary is pretty tough, and and just based off right Kyle Shanahan's offense and his ability to scheme guys open and things like that, and the receivers that they have. I mean, just you know, Brandon Ayuk, Debo. Yeah, not even at 100, percent but let's just say he's 80. percent He's still really, really good. Um, you have Christian McCaffrey as a receiving threat, and you still have George Kittle. So you got plenty of talent that you're going to be facing on the receiving side of the ball. Uh, if you're if you're uh, Detroit, so if you're the pat, if you're the defense, I, I'm sure Aaron Glenn is going to scheme up a lot of blitzes maybe some delayed blitzes you got to get in Brock Purdy's face make him uncomfortable um and and the pass rush has to get home if they want to have any type of success of keeping it a close game um and I think the offense is going to work obviously San Francisco has a very very good defense they're the best defense easily in the uh in the NFC a top three defense in the NFL um and and they're they're good they're gonna it's gonna be difficult um you know, just just overall to move the ball, but 
Uh, I think Detroit is just Ben Johnson, such a great play caller, and he's so good at getting his guys the ball uh, that they'll be able to move the ball well enough to score. So I, I, I'm actually, I actually agree with you. Like a 28 to 20 score would be interesting. I think you got to force a couple turnovers if you're the Lions to really, really feel like you're you're having a chance here. Being at home, like you said, TP is going to be is so crucial. Uh, but I, 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 I'm going to reluctantly pick the 49ers but if i were wrong i would be very happy yeah. i think it would be like 20 i'd probably go 24 17 like you, you know or 28 20 like you said tp um i don't think it'll go much higher than that um you know yeah. maybe 21 27 something like that uh, i i think uh you know i think the most important thing for the lions is to play with a lead because if you, you get, if, if yeah. you get behind done. the eight yeah. ball on that 49s defense you're not built you just die yeah, like they just they, to come back. they i mean they get no nick bosa there they get you know they just get their rushers there and they just make it so yeah, hard very, to score. Very that's what the packers were able to do yes. they played with a lead for the majority of that game until the end and brock purdy led a great game winning drive but that's what you gotta do against that 49ers team you have to play with a lead especially with the lions offense that's really reliant on the play action no one's gonna bite on a play action whenever it's down by 14 i mean it's just yeah i think that's really important there and um if if detroit wants to have a chance on sunday they got to go out there and score first i think that'll really help their car uh, really help their case well and green bay did take the ball first in that game because again it is yeah, and it, scored it, a field goal and it's because it's pretty well documented san francisco is not very good from behind uh they can't get into what they want to do as you were talking about uh Couple couple things for you. So, I'm gonna before I give you this stat, and give me uh, NFC and AFC. When you think of playoff blunders, who comes to mind in the NFC and who comes to mind in the AFC for you? So blunders, blunders. So yeah. in the yeah. N- yeah. NFC, I think yeah. it's pretty easy. That's a layup. Uh, Dallas, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the AFC. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I don't. I'm trying to think. I don't want to. I, I can't think off the top of my head. What do you got? I was going to say Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I, they just can't get over that Kansas City. Home, <laughs> yeah, dude. it's, it's like, that one ginormous, ginormous. Boulder. Right, right. <laughs> so here's my point: there have been eight playoff games thus far. Home teams are six and two. Okay. The two losses are Dallas and, and Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo. So home field has That's mattered wild. so far in this postseason. Maybe okay. not. Re- Fully realizing that, but all the teams that won home wild card weekend went on the road divisional games yeah. like Tampa and Houston lost. Right. Uh, so home field has mattered. I think that it's also pretty relevant the way Purdy finished the Packers game because, again, the knock has been you're behind and you're San Francisco. Shanahan freaks out a little bit. The whole system crumbles, crumbles right? Well, so they finally had a clutch drive there. Purdy goes six of seven on the drive, and and, and they do get the, the touchdown with McCaffrey running it in after the Honors Carlson missed field goal, which loomed large, obviously, in a oh. three-point loss. Oh, had uh, to be our boy. Why did it have to be our boy? Uh, and so what my thought is is, again, same dynamic. How this game shapes out is if Detroit gets going early and they – put a touchdown on the board their first possession, take a lead, Lord forbid they take a two-possession lead, that's going to freak out San Francisco a little bit. And 
it's going to be up to the unknown of, can Purdy put the ball down the field a little bit more? We know he can drop it off 10 yards, 12 yards, 8 yards all over the place. Uh, He's good at that. He makes quick reads. He's a good decision maker. Uh, And they've got great athletes to sometimes make the 8-yard plays, 15-yard plays. But when you're down and you're down and you're down, as TP said, play action becomes less effective. You can't lean on one of the best running backs in the game in McCaffrey. Uh, and you have to change your operation a little bit. So can they parlay the end of that game, finding some built-in momentum from week to week to get off to a better start and protect themselves a little bit from that? Or does Detroit make them nervous from the get-go and they go down and score and then they put an emphasis on San Francisco being able to score? And, And I think that what it will come down to if Detroit can stop San Francisco is their pass rush, as you guys talked a little bit about. Because if they're able to get the ball out quickly and they're able to get it to their playmakers, then that's when Detroit having a deficiency in the secondary will matter more. But if Detroit can make things uncomfortable up front, not allow the seven-yard rushes, not allow the quick passes, not even because of pass rush, but you bat the ball away a couple times at the line of scrimmage, then – you make Purdy uncomfortable, and that's another way that you make them maybe change a few of the things that they do. And they know that in a certain space they operate incredibly well, but you get them out of that space and they become <clears throat> just like anyone else. They become a little more more vulnerable. And so that's so huge for Detroit's defense is to be able to disrupt something up front because if it gets to the back end, they fail. They have to play everything in the front seven. If it if it falls on their secondary shoulders, San Francisco will win because their receivers are better than for Detroit's sure. secondary. Yes. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball for Detroit, look, they're going to throw the ball around. They're going to get Jameer Gibbs involved, and he's a very dynamic player. Uh, and for them, you know, they have done a really good job, too, conversely, of, of protecting Jared Goff. And his revitalization in Detroit is why Ben Johnson has been so talked about why. Uh, we certainly think that he is in line for a head coaching job or should be. And I, I think for golf, you know, it's just more of the same. And I don't think you're going to really, really, really pester him too much. Like, I, I do expect them yeah. to move the ball and score a few times. Like, I, I again, so I'd, I'd be very surprised they were held down to 10 or, or 13 points. I think they'll have about three really good drives at least. Uh, and so that's, again, that's why it's the timeliness of all this. Does San Francisco have to make up those 10 points, those 14 points, or, or are they always kind of ahead of possession and Detroit's always just trying to catch them and just trying to catch them and they can't get the stop they need? So uh, I think that I'm a little more confident in San Francisco than I am. I, I shouldn't say it this way. I'm a little more confident in how good Baltimore is but I'm a little more confident in San Francisco's matchup because I think it favors them more yeah. than it favors Baltimore matchup. And also, it's just Mahomes on the other side. And regardless, Sherry Goff should now be considered, in my opinion, and I don't think this should be a hot take, he's a top-ten quarterback in the NFL now. Uh, you know, I think that he... Ten? Yeah, I would say he's about the eighth, ninth yeah. best quarterback in the league now. Because yeah, I'll give you that. This is two I years of that. it. It's yes. not just one of something. Um, and, and like he to me has probably at least you know evened out with or passed the Russell Wilson for example or uh, you know it's hard to even know what Rodgers would even be right now because he's been 
been out a year and he had a bad year in Green Bay before he got out and like I wouldn't even know where to rank him. So some some of this would be would be tough to rank, but you know, I think that I think you finally after two straight years that you know, he's above Geno Smith in my opinion. Like you have to you have to assess that this is now two really good years of him doing this and that he's just has that confidence. He has that faith in what Detroit's doing and not to mention the faith in their leader Dan Campbell who Look, we all thought there were some weird things being said in the introductory press conferences and biting uh, kneecaps. <laughs> and uh, the drafts were weird this year. I mean, they had one of the most criticized drafts, but it hit. It all yeah, but worked. it hit. It worked. Laporta and Gibbs. I know, I know first round running backs is a topic. I get it. Uh, and and Gibbs but was really you know, good. But Gibbs has been good, it. and it, it is added to their team. And uh, again, they they have. They have proved a lot of people wrong, including myself at times. So uh, this is this is going to be a really great championship weekend. And uh, I, I again, I don't have incredible confidence in either pick. I, again, just the semantics of it suggests it's going to be really hard to actually believe the Detroit Lions are going to do it. Right? They can. I, I, I think they can, but we'll see. But. We still have the opportunity to have the two teams we thought it would always would be in San Francisco and Baltimore. Right, right. So, give um, the city of Detroit some light, please. They, 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 for just sports franchises, just going through it. Right, the Lions did did the uh, not the Lions the uh, Detroit the Tigers. The Pistons are bad. Yeah. The Detroit Tigers Don't are mind me. Look, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, TP. I know you're struggling <laughs> over there. That's bad. an understatement. We bad. are horrendous. Yes. I could spend the three-hour show <laughs> ranting about fandom of the Detroit Pistons and for the last I ten pray years. For you and I bet the entire city of Detroit wants to just throw it all away. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have the Lions, a team that has also not won anything, and they might get to win something. And I can resonate with that. <laughs> so I really want them to win something. That's I that. really do. So we'll see if the uh, the fairy tale continues there with the city of Detroit and the Lions as they take on the 49ers. That's the 5:30 game coming up on Sunday. One final timeout in this Friday edition of Sports Call. Back to wrap everything up right after this. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning Sports Call. Final few minutes of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, Tiger Communications app, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, TP Hammock with you here on this Friday nightly TV guide coming up in just a second. But, fellas, one more time before we do that, again, Auburn, Mississippi State coming up tomorrow. What do the Tigers need to do against the Bulldogs? I think they just need to 
get out to a fast start and just don't get behind early because, as we said, you know, they just got a really strong defense. So just come out and play your brand of offense and uh, get ahead early. And, you know, this isn't a high-scoring offense, so you can really put it on them if you can. If you can get those buckets, just just keep putting it on. Don't, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. And uh, I think Auburn's going to be able to get a, a tough, gritty win. I think the, I'll go with about um, – I'll go with 78 to uh, 70. That'll be my final score. Yeah, I agree with you, TP. Auburn needs to get back to playing their style of offense, right? Give it to your give it to your big man. Give it to Janai. Start feeding him inside. Give it to Jalen early as well. Get him kind of going in, in a rhythm. Uh, and I think that will also do do some wonders as well, kind of as the game progresses on. Um, yeah, a tough defense that Mississippi State has. You got to be able to withstand the physicality we'll see how that plays out as well um a, a, another game where you can see uh you know just ha- as this team gets tested more and more uh through physicality auburn's known to be kind of a physical team so you want to see uh, i mean other teams are going to try to match their physicality so you got to see if they can up the t- up it just a little bit more to to kind of uh continue to play their style of basketball uh Get back to shooting threes at an efficient rate, not not settling for those threes that you just aren't good shots. Uh, again, like you said, TP, get into your style of offense. Tolu Smith is going to be your main priority in terms of stopping, um, you know, the, the main threat on the off on the defensive side uh, if you're Auburn. And so, yeah, it, I, I think Auburn's going to win a, a, a like a grinded out game as well. Um, 80, 85. I'll give them a 10-point win, 85-75. All right, so I'll go a little bit lower scoring. I I feel the need to think that this is going to be a little bit more murky than Auburn wants it to be. Uh, The good news is, again, Mississippi State only averaging about 74 points a game. And as a reminder, I mean, we're still got more non-conference games counting into this than conference games. So it's pretty abnormal to be in the low to mid-70s and be a good offensive team. So you're – really not that great of an offensive team and you're in there not like any one game if Mississippi State hits 12 threes tomorrow don't hate me I (laughs) I didn't do it uh but normally they're 31 percent three-point team and averaging 74 points a game again they they are not trying to play quick and jack them all up and 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 that sort of thing so I think Auburn will have to work for this a little bit I think it'll be a close game I think uh, I never saw a line on it, but I think Auburn probably be favored by three, four, five points somewhere in there. So not a big margin, but I do expect Auburn to be favored. And I think it'll be just a little bit north of that. I think they're going to win a 72 to 66 type of game, 70 to 65. Again, I don't expect, even though Auburn does average over 80 points a game, I do not expect the Tigers to look crisp and clear the whole game because that's not what Mississippi State allows for people to do and again this is in their home arena if this is a neville arena sure i think auburn score 85 have a party hit seven hit nine ten threes and dunk five times and dylan cardwell shirts coming off and and it'll be fine but on the road uh, you know i think it'll be a little bit more tight than that and i think auburn will have an issue at time or two of shooting the ball from the perimeter and that sort of thing so i think about a 70 to 65 72 66 type of score for Auburn. Final minute or two of the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. 
National Hockey League. Las Vegas Golden Knights, New York Rangers at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Women's College Volleyball, top 10 matchup in the SEC. Excuse me, Women's College Gymnastics, excuse me, as number 6 Alabama takes on number 8 Florida. That's ESPN 2. 8.45 tonight. It's a late one in Fayetteville for number 13 Auburn Gymnastics at number 4 Arkansas Gymnastics. Again, Auburn just trying to improve a score there as they take on Number five, Arkansas. Also, some men's college basketball. TP, what conference? You got Marist and Niagara. That is the MAAC. I believe so. MAC. 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 <laughs> Six o'clock ESPNU. And then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is a movie pick for you on TNT at 6 o'clock. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show today. T.P. Hammock, thank you for being here on this Friday. Hope you have a great weekend, sir. We'll see you again next week. Thank you, as always. And Cam Berry, thank you for being here. Hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you again next week. Yes, sir. Y'all have a great weekend as well. See you next week. Again, that will do it for the show today and for the week, as always. We certainly appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For T.P. Hammock and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan the Boy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.